The Lifestylist, episode 176. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. One of the reasons that I started this podcast was because I'm literally obsessed with learning. If I'm not interviewing someone on my show or listening to another podcast or audiobook, I'm definitely going to Skillshare.com and taking online classes so that I can learn in a video format. So what I like about Skillshare is that I can take those classes anywhere where I've got an internet connection. So for example, part of my production flow here includes working with a number of different software that I find honestly really hard to figure out. And sometimes, you know, in the past I would have gone on YouTube and like, oh, how to use this thing or that thing. And it's like, there's so many crappy videos and like you invest your time in one and you go through the stupid ad and then you're like, wait, this one sucks and it's only three minutes long. So I kind of gave up on that. And so when I need to learn something like Trello or Evernote and really take a deep dive, which are some productivity software that I use to actually run this podcast, I love going to Skillshare to take the classes there. I think next even I'm going to do a video lighting one and an iPhone photography class, just for example, because I do a lot of my own social media content production. And so I don't want to suck at it. I'm okay at it, but I want to get better at it. But I can't really learn that from a podcast or reading a book. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to sit and watch someone show me exactly what to do. And that's what you get at Skillshare. So check it out. If you want to sign up, which I highly recommend you do because they're giving you a super sweet deal, just go to Skillshare.com forward slash lifestylist and you're going to get two months of access for 99 cents. Can you believe that? 99 cents. You're going to be able to learn. You can get basically damn college degree in that amount of time. They've got 20,000 classes over there. So essentially, you've got access to 20,000 classes for 99 cents. So imagine what you do creatively in your life or something you want to get better at, whether it's playing guitar. That's my kind of the next thing I'm going to dive into. Because again, if you just search online, there's a lot of crappy lessons. And these are all qualified teachers that are badass. So I'm super stoked to be I'm doing this myself and recommend that you do. So again, just go to skillshare.com forward slash lifestylist and you're going to get hooked up with two months for 99 cents. If you're an OG Lifestylist podcast listener, then you've definitely heard me talk about Four Sigmatic mushroom and herb blends. These things I basically live off. I mean, that's the truth. If you go in my kitchen any day of the week, you're going to see... Uh, scattered about tons of boxes of the Four Sigmatic products. And when I travel, especially the coffee, they're always with me. I don't even play. I actually keep the coffee packets in my car just in case I'm on a road trip or a longer drive and I get tired somewhere. I'll just take um, like my water bottle or my coffee cup that I drank earlier, put some spring water in there and just shake it up and have like a nice instant black coffee. But what's dope about their coffee is that they have different um, herbs and medicinal mushrooms. So it might be chaga or lion's mane. 
and they don't taste like mushrooms. That's the thing. I mean, it tastes like really bomb coffee. And so you get the energizing effects of the Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee, but they're stabilized with the mushrooms, you know, the chaga, the lion's mane, and even adaptogenic herbs like rhodiola. So you don't really taste the herbs so much, but they're there and it definitely makes a difference. So I want to encourage you to get over to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story and use the code Luke story to save 15% off your order. You might want to start with the coffees, although I definitely recommend some of the newer drinks, which would be the golden latte with shiitake and turmeric, also the chai latte with turkey tail and reishi. So go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. Use the code Luke story at checkout and save a fat 15%. Just when I think I've discovered every alternative medicine practice, biohacking technology, or supplement, I'm dumbfounded by another brilliant guest. And this episode is no exception with our guest, Dr. Darshan Shah of the infamous Next Health, a place you've probably heard me talk about on the show, a couple locations here in Los Angeles uh, that I frequent quite often. In fact, just a couple days ago, you might hear I have a little nasally kind of voice and kind of have a nasally voice on today's show. Because yes, even the king of all biohackers. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't even want that title. But the health nut that I am, uh, I got sick. And so I was in Next Health a couple of days ago doing the red light bed and getting a wacky, crazy powerful IV. And I was also in there last month doing an NAD IV which I think is something we can talk about in this episode. But anyway, Dr. Darshan Shah, brilliant guy. And as smart as he is, super fun and funny in a great interview. So this is not one of those dry, geeky, sciencey sort of uh, talks with a doctor. You know, whenever someone has that doctor title, I'm like, oh man, how do I make this not boring? Super easy with Dr. Shah. He's, uh, he's a true homie, great guy. So who is this Dr. Shah? He's a world-renowned surgeon who's an expert on all body systems and who has performed over 10,000 surgeries. It's crazy. Ranging from trauma to heart surgery to plastic surgery. He had a vision for creating a space that took the best treatments and technologies the world had to offer and implemented them with non-invasive holistic values, which has become the foundation of Next Health. So here's what we talk about in this episode, why this Western-trained MD chose to start incorporating alternative medicine in the first place, how the dysfunctional disease care industry led to the creation of Next Health, the most cutting-edge biohacks that Dr. Shaw is doing and that you have to try, the terrifying lack of education that traditional doctors receive when it comes to nutrition, how artificial intelligence is changing the game in terms of alternative health. The three technologies that are revolutionizing the anti-aging scene. What you need to know about the different types and effects of cryotherapy. The relationship between mitochondria and addiction. And then we pose the question, does taking vitamins or mineral IVs ruin your body's natural ability to produce them itself? What are the negative impacts of EMFs? Why you might want to try stem cell therapy? The most important biomarker testings you can do to assess and take control of your health. Telomeres, genetic testing, heavy metals, thyroid testing, and beyond. How allergies and food sensitivities happen and how you can get yours tested. Where your hormone levels should be and what you can do if they're off. And then we ask, is there any risk to vanity slash beauty treatments like Botox? 
And finally, are there any legitimately effective treatments for hair loss? So you can see this is a, a very thorough episode, but don't be dismayed again by the scientific nature of some of the bullet points that I just rattled off. This is a really fun and loose conversation. I love really smart people that can also just have fun. It's like the perfect guest, and this was a great one for that. If you're into your health, if you want to get my recommendations in terms of the best supplementation, the best biohacking technologies, even my favorite spiritual books, you can find everything that I use and love, including all of our sponsors for this show that you hear every week over at lukestory.com forward slash store. I'm still shocked when I get someone in the uh, Lifestylist podcast Facebook group or someone DMing me on Instagram like, hey, what's the best vitamin or this or that? Is qualia really work? Like, I'm like, dude, all you got to do is go to lukestory.com forward slash store. If anything's in there, it's the best thing. I have really weird stuff in there that I use. Like I ground my car, for example, random. Uh, I have these straps that, you know, you have a mechanic attached under your car and it stops or minimizes the static electricity that builds up when you travel through space and time in an automobile, which is one of the uh, biggest sources of EMF and, um, and just travel fatigue when you're driving. And so I found these freaking grounding straps had my mechanic install them and thought, you know what, I should just put those up in my store. And I don't sell anything, to be clear. I just link out to all my favorite stuff. So it's a place where you can go and like not have to do all the research yourself. I'm the geek that will go on Amazon and read the 150 reviews of every single car grounding strap, even though they're only like $40 or something, because I want the best one. I'm just obsessed with like whatever the best in class of each thing is, I have to have the best one. It's just the way I am. I would rather buy something one time and pay a little more than buy something 10 times and think I'm getting a deal. You know what I'm saying? So go to lukestory.com forward slash store. And once you get over there, you're going to freak out uh, with the thoroughness of the amount of things that I link. And then you're also going to find, uh, in many cases, exclusive discounts, especially when it's um, a brand that I have an affiliate relationship with or one of the advertisers on the show. Uh, you're going to get hookups anywhere from 5 to 20%. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store. Okay, enough of that. Before we jump into this talk with Dr. Shaw, I want to invite you to come check out a very special bootleg broadcast show this Friday, which was in fact recorded at Next Health. This was a talk I did there a little while ago, and I talked about biohacking your urban environment, where we really dig into uh, the best water that you can drink, how to optimize the water in your home, and uh, uh, how to deal with the toxic lighting in your environment, how to deal with EMF. So it was a really fun talk. It's pretty wild and raw and real. And I just decided, what the hell? I might as well put it out as a live bootleg broadcast that comes out this Friday. And then next Tuesday, we've got Brainiac, Memory Mastery and Fantastic Focus with Jim Quick. And trust me when I say that's not one you want to miss. Jim is a great interview. Recorded that one out in New York City. And uh, yeah, it was it was really fun. I learned a lot. Like I could sit down with him for... I could have an episode with Jim Quick every week. Like literally, he would never run out of information. That's how uh, knowledgeable he is. So definitely check in for that. And then lastly, uh, I'd love for you to come join me at an event I'm doing December 14th, 15th, and 16th in um, Los Angeles with Neil Strauss, another former podcast guest. And this is a biohacking intensive. And that'll be for three days, man. And uh, I'm going to be doing my biohacking lounge there, bringing all my technologies. I'm going to be doing some talks. My buddy, Matt Maruka, my all-time biggest downloaded guest, the millennial biohacker. If you remember that, I think it was called 
Extreme Biohacking, Millennial Edition. Yeah, he's my number one download and now we've become friends. He lives out here in California a lot of the time and uh, he's going to be there and all kinds of other big speakers. So go to lukestory.com forward slash events if you want to come hang out. That's what's up. All right, here we go. Now I just need you to sit back, relax, and enjoy and uh, get ready to get your ears biohacked right here and now in this episode with Dr. Darshan Shah. All right, here we are, Dr. Darshan Shah. What's happening, dude? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for doing this. It was great when you came to our podcast and did that with us. And uh, I'm hoping to give you the same amount of amazing information that you gave me, hopefully. Awesome, man. And especially happy to meet this this amazing person over here. Yeah, you guys. Uh, <laughs> amazing my, doggy, Cookie. My co-host, yeah. Cookie. We're sort of like Penn and Teller and, and whichever, I forget which one of Penn and Teller doesn't talk, but Cookie's my co-host, the, the Penn, or the, I think it's Teller perhaps that uh, doesn't talk. So yeah, Cookie's a silent uh, um, co-host, but she adds a lot of ambiance to the yeah, recordings. She's pretty amazing. She's like right on my lap for this entire thing and I love it. She's so cuddly, dude. I, and amazing. I have to remember sometimes that not all people appreciate a cuddly, sometimes oh. smelly dog on them. I used to not like dogs because yeah. I got attacked a lot just mm. in my childhood and even in really? adult life pretty viciously on a couple of occasions. Huh. So if dogs came near me, I was like, oh, gross, get off me. <laughs> I was like, now yeah. when somebody doesn't like dogs, I'm like, are they satanic? Like, how do you not like a dog? <laughs> They're so awesome. How do you not so like awesome. dogs, right? <laughs> so I get it when people don't, but now I'm completely sprung. It's ridiculous. Oh, me I'm too. like a... Yeah, I post pictures of her constantly. I'm obsessed. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into it. Sure. I know you've got you've got patients and things going on later today, and I have a, an important meeting too. And um, so we've got at least an hour, if not an hour and a half, if it goes right. like that. Um, and I have a lot to talk about with you because I've been watching you and your business grow, and you guys keep integrating more modalities and right. services and things like that. And I'm, I'm always thinking, what the hell does that do? And so I'm, <laughs> I'm selfishly going to just be learning a lot and the audience gets to listen in and hopefully benefit too. For sure. So you're a real, a real live doctor. You're an MD. Yes. <laughs> and, um, you know, as opposed to people like me that are <laughs> armchair doctors, you know, that are learning as I go, uh, of course, you can learn a lot from reading books and audiobooks and podcasts and stuff. I, I probably know more about healing than some doctors that get stuck in a paradigm. I would um, absolutely agree with you. Well, what did you um, what did you study in school, and what's your area of medicine? Sure. And then what led you to get into the anti aging and biohacking stuff that you've now kind of merged in your practice? Yeah, that's a great question. So my history in uh, healthcare and medicine goes back to basically my childhood. I've always wanted to be a doctor since I was a kid. Um, Did you have uh, family uh, family doctors? Yeah. Well, yes. My dad is an Ayurvedic doctor from India. Actually. Oh, rad. Yes, and he he practiced Ayurvedic medicine. Um, all many people in the family are doctors, so it was kind of like part of our lineage growing up. Um, we have lots of um, ancestry in the medical field. And I just wanted to do it. I loved it. I was had a very uh, great interest in it from a very young age. So I was uh, lucky enough to kind of rush my way through school. I became a doctor when I was 21 years old. What? Yes. Yes. I did my first <laughs> appendectomy when I was 21. What? Can you believe that? What is that taking out? <laughs> an appendix. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, what? what? What organ is an app? Oh, okay. Appendix. Yeah. A lot of us do need app Ectomies, right? But <laughs> yeah, no, this right. is which is I need uh, an Instagram ectomy. Um, oh, that's, yeah. so that's a crazy fast track. So you're kind yeah. of a child prodigy of sorts. Well, I don't know. 
I just worked really hard, okay. uh, mainly because I, I love what I was doing and I found it fascinating. So I just kind of really dove into it, like I said, from a young age. Yeah. And I, and part of my fascination was it was just looking at organs in the human body and how, how organs and, and what we're made up of is just so fascinating that it all works together so well. So I decided to go into surgery just so I could have some direct hands-on experience with with the human body and making a change immediately. So I went into surgery. Um, I did trauma surgery and uh, general surgery for a long time. Um, during that time, I was also a Navy physician. So I had a lot of that kind of primary care in the Navy reserves as well. Did that for many years. Um, decided that I, even though I love trauma surgery, there wasn't a lot of sleep involved because most of it happens in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I, right. Would, I just spent an evening at the Cedar Sinai emergency room. Um, oh. My brother had some sort of meltdown. He's okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was in there all night and I thought, I, and, and the people that worked there, I, not to interrupt, I'm yeah, sorry, no, no, but no, it's, no, no. it's related um, in an anecdotal way. But I'm sitting in there going, I walk in the emergency room and I'm starving. My brother called me at 1230 AM. It's like, are you up? I'm like, duh, yeah. you know, I'm up. I couldn't pretend I could like, turn my phone <laughs> off. You know, oh no, I'm not here. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm up. His, our other brother's definitely not up. So I was the one. But anyway, I take him in there and I'm starving. And so I go to the vending machine and like the healthiest thing I could find were some Rice Krispie treats. Uh, and then the lighting in there is all fluorescent lighting, yeah. all blue light. And I'm looking at the people working there going, oh man, you guys are in here treating sick people, but you're getting sick. It's yes. like, yes. it's like the reason everyone's in that emergency, well, not the emergency room per se, because you could have acute trauma or an accident or something, mm-hmm. but just general pathology wise and disease model wise, the reason everyone's in the hospital is because of the food they're serving in the hospital, yeah. the EMFs in the hospital exactly. and the blue light in the hospital. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh God, these doctors are in here killing themselves to help other people that are killing themselves yeah. because of this exact environment. It's crazy. Yeah. Don't even get me started on it because that's a whole reason why next health came to be as well, because right. you know, the entire healthcare system is not healthcare it's disease care, right? It's really once you get into a disease state, is when they start really having options for you uh, with pills and with you know um, with surgery, those kind of things. It's, there's not a lot of health op, health um, prevention, maintenance going on or optimization going on. I remember where I trained in um, Kansas City for uh, medical school. I went to medical school in Kansas City. There was one restaurant in the entire hospital and this was like a huge hospital it was a mcdonald's you know (laughs) and that was pretty much all we had is either that or the hospital cafeteria which was even worse that's so messed up yeah and then there's like a coca-cola machine like at every floor you know it's the same kind of thing you're talking about that's like having some like um tire piercing road spikes on your way into the mechanic's garage (laughs) exactly right oh god that's so it's, uh, it's, you know, the state we live in, it's funny, man. It's I, I look at us as a as a society, you know, something I've been very concerned with. And I try not to be paranoid, but it's like, God, some of the stuff that's going on in our environment is so gnarly. You know, so we have 5G rolling out right. in LA. It's right. one of the cities they're testing mm-hmm. it on, I guess you could say. And I mean, I'm literally like, the more I research this millimeter wave stuff, I mean, it is not good. They're going to turn the city into a literal microwave as if it's already not. And yesterday... I'm, you know, I can't help myself. I'm researching 5G a little bit. I think I started Googling around like cities that I might want to live in that don't have it or towns or whatever. And then, um, so one of the articles I come across is how in the UK, they're rolling out uh, 5G and they're putting it under the streets 
So oh, they'll man. open a manhole and put one of the, oh, one of the antenna in there. So it's like radiating from the ground. <laughs> so you can't crowd. even see it. Yeah. So you might, you know, buy a home or live in an apartment building or, yeah. or a hospital. Hospitals often have cell towers on them, which yes. is insane. Yeah. And I'm like, oh God, you, you now you don't even know. At least on my street, I can look and see, oh, there's a 5G tower on the lamppost in front of my house. Right. I'm moving or I'm not going to move in there. Sure, sure. I'm just like, oh Jesus, we live in such a crazy time because there's, a huge population of people like you and I and most mm-hmm. people listening to this that are aware of some of these things. But then there's an entire world of people that are you know, ignorant and or they're motivated by profit. Absolutely. Hence, you know, a lot of the medical industry. So they they just choose to kind of ignore some of the yeah. apparent you see and it over sometimes and over obvious and over again. risks. Right. You see it over and over again. Like our food industry is a perfect example of how, you know, the sugar industry and the and and like the different industries contributed a lot of money and they got themselves put high up on the scale of things that you don't mess with, right? And for years we've been killing ourselves eating sugar, dairy products, these kind of things. And we we just didn't know. And we just it was on the food pyramid. It must be healthy for us, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't like the main thing on the food pyramid grains? Yeah. It's the number it's like one the thing. the worst food a human being could ever eat. We literally don't have a digestive system meant to consume right. seeds of grasses, which is what grains are. And then, exactly. Yeah. But it, see, there, I, I was like punk rock in, in high school, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I hated the man. I was like against fascism and all that. I was like a pre-anti-fascist, anti-fascist. And so I don't like when um, authoritative entities deceive and trick people and harm people. It just pisses me off because Absolutely. It's, it's not fair, you know? And so, yeah, when you start looking back, well, how did this, if fat's good for us, I mean, healthy fats, obviously right. not omega-6 seed oils and canola and all that. But if healthy fats are good for us, where did the low fat thing come from? And then you research that and it was... It was propagated by the sugar industry. Absolutely. Because sugar right. makes you fat. Yeah. And so they tried to like push the blame onto fats <laughs> and get people to stop eating lard, which is, you know, depending on what animal it comes from, it's really good for you and butter and all this kind yes. of stuff. And hence you have margarine made from these rancid seed oils. And that kind of stuff just pisses me off because I don't like deception. You yeah. Know? I yeah. have my faults as a human, but one of the things I really strive to be is just authentic, real, and honest and to have integrity. And right. when people don't, I want to punch them in the face and be yeah. not spiritual. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of books written about that entire fat um, shaming that that happened in our uh, government and why it happened. The politics behind it are just incredible. And it makes me not drink, you know, I, I, don't, I don't support Coca-Cola because they're one of the peoples that contributed a lot of money because they, they use sugar, right? And if, if uh, they... If sugar was all the blame was on sugar, their product would basically be defunct, right? And so they uh, paid a lot of money to push the blame on fat. And it, it basically started, you know, that and cigarettes started the chronic disease epidemic that we have today in the United States and all over the world, actually, because, you know, unfortunately, every country looked to our government to create dietary guidelines. They just, they said, well, if the U.S. is doing it and they spent the money making these dietary guidelines, we should be following the same. And so, that's how chronic disease started and kind of started spreading throughout the world is those government guidelines that were given, I think, back in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's crazy the USDA. And then what's funny about it, like now I'm looking at the 5G thing with the telecommunications. And if you look at the heads of the FCC, there's this revolving door with uh, corporate executives and shareholders within telecommunications companies. Oh, yeah. And you have the same thing with the USDA and Monsanto and the Mm -hmm. FDA and Big Pharma. You know, if you start putting together these family trees, which, you know, some people do, 
thankfully for us, and you go, oh, that's interesting. Well, why is the head of the CDC also one of the biggest shareholders in the biggest vaccine company? Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, you start looking at that. Why is American Heart Association getting funding from the sugar industry? Like, uh, why is that happening, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, these sons of bitches. It's, it's really, and that's yeah. why it's really, one of the things we talk about at Next Health all this time, it's so important for every single person to educate themselves individually. And you know, you're doing a great job with your podcast. I mean, people need to listen to podcasts. They need to read books. They need to educate themselves and not just go off of what you know the government guidelines are. They're, they're, Absolutely. Their health into their own hands. Dude, I mean, that's the yeah. great thing about long form media. Like right. we have the opportunity to share in right now is I'm not beholden to anyone. I can say whatever I want. I mean, I'm not going to say like, powdered green juice is bad for you because Organifi would get pissed. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just playing. But you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I could basically say whatever I want if I'm willing to accept the consequences of, of um, a rebuttal, you know? Right. But these, right. Um, these conversations, I think, give us a lot of autonomy as people where I can go, wait, I don't have to listen to the CDC or the FDA or the FCC or any of these mm -hmm. regulatory agencies that are supposed to be there to protect me as a member of the populace. When they're compromised and corrupt, it really is your own responsibility. I don't go to anyone uh, to fix me unless I've tried everything to fix myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's why I love yeah. places like Next Health. And I'm always like supporting businesses yeah. uh, that have that model because I can go in there and yeah. actually take responsibility for my own biology. But Absolutely. anyway, I, this is a tangent that I will go on forever. Yeah. I want to get back to your origin sure. story. And sure. so so you, you you start practicing medicine at the, the ripe old age of 21, which makes me a little <laughs> nervous. I don't, know, I don't know if I want my surgeon to be 21, but okay. Yeah, uh, so like, then what, ha what happened next in the story uh, yeah, you know, in so, terms so of your practice surgery. and stuff? Yeah, I did surgery for a while. Um, wasn't sleeping much, decided to focus in on doing uh, reconstructive and plastic surgery. So I went to the Mayo Clinic, got trained in some really intense uh, reconstructive surgery, did that for many years. And, you know, typical doctor story, okay? You know, doctors are taught maybe one full day of nutrition in, in Is medical Is that really school. true? Uh, it's, you know, it's like... <laughs> That's terrifying. I, I think it's changing now, but I mean, I, I remember we spent 99% of our time learning how to diagnose disease and what to prescribe for disease. And I, I you know, I will say to myself that I, my nutrition education was very minimal and I didn't know what to eat. I didn't know what I was putting my body toxin-wise. I had none of that education. So I found myself uh, a few years ago fat and hypertensive and, you know, pre-diabetic. And, wow. and I had my son and I just looked in the mirror and I said, this has to change. Like, I got to figure this out. And obviously what I was taught in medical school is not helping because I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I went through this journey of just learning and, you know, having, having a really strong interest in biochemistry and pathology. Um, I kind of took I kind of took a lens of of my medical training to it, and kind of saw um, what people in nutrition were talking about, where people in toxicology were talking about how it really does apply. And I discovered this incredible field called functional medicine. And um, you, you've met many functional medicine doctors yourself. And I got really interested in functional medicine because it was no it's a field of medicine that's about getting to the origins of disease versus diagnosing disease and prescribing a symptomatic treatment for it. And I looked at obesity, hypertension, diabetes totally differently. 
after I got to um, learn a little bit about functional medicine. And I changed my entire life. You know, I, I lost the weight. I eliminated half the pills in my, you know, most of the pills in my medicine drawer. And, and I started coaching my patients. I said, you know, you should be doing X, Y, Z. And rather than taking pills and rather than, um, uh, you know, looking at gastric bypass surgery as a way to lose weight and those extreme type of measures. And through all of that, I said, we need to take this message and make it more accessible to people and give people a place to go where they can participate in their own healthcare, their own health optimization, participate in turning back disease processes. And so that's where Next Health came about. It was basically an experiment that myself and my partner launched uh, two and a half years ago. And we had no idea if it would work or people even care, you know? <laughs> we had a hard time even telling the story about what we do um, at that time. And um, people loved it. And they started coming in for IV therapy, cryotherapy, hormone optimization, all the things, you know, uh, diet modification, sleep. We talk a lot about sleep, how important that is, about your toxins. And, you know, we we people started talking this language with us and we started educating them. And, you know, you were gracious enough to come to our Forefront series where we have people come and speak to people about different um, aspects of their health that they should be aware of. And it, it's been it's been great so far. And we're only two years into it. We still have a lot to do. But um, I think people are getting the message and we're really developing this community around Next Health of people that are actively trying to take control of their health, learn about their health, and really turn back the clock on disease, get to a point where they feel super healthy and they're in charge of their own bodies again. So That's incredible. You guys have only been around for a couple of years. Like the growth has been insane. For yeah. those of you listening, by the way, um, when I started going um, to Next Health, it was the one on Crescent Heights and Sunset because yeah. it's right across the street from my Kundalini Yoga studio, right. Nine Treasures. And I'm, I went over to Trader Joe's one day or something. And I said, cryotherapy, vitamin IVs, what the hell? You know, I was so excited. <laughs> I, you know, I'm into this stuff yeah. for a long time. Uh, but this, for those of you listening, man, if you come in LA, you can go to that one. But the Century City one, like the new location is just, it's insanely beautiful. And Thanks. back in the day, if you went to um, some sort of alternative clinic like that, there would be like plastic ferns and like, you know, uh, <laughs> old um, like Afghan, you know, <laughs> like just, it would be like uh, very dirty feeling yeah. and antiquated and not well designed. It definitely was not like a curated experience. It's right. like some, even in, you'd go to someone's house. I mean, I remember when I used to first started doing colonics, it was like in someone's <laughs> freaking bathroom. They no outfitted way. Oh yeah. Oh, they man. outfitted it with like a colonic machine and stuff. So it's cool to see things like next health pop up where it's, you know, it's just, it's a super high end experience and it feels sterile and comfortable. And so it's been really cool. Just, as a co-business owner to kind of watch you guys grow. And it's a, it's staggering and impressive. Um, when you started, so you guys listening, check out the um, the Century City. It's in the Century City Mall, yeah. which is a beautiful mall, the Westfield Mall. It's a very cool spot if you're traveling. Right. And it's going to be part of my, um, I'm about to drop, I was going to make it an online class. And I just figured out like, I'm just not that guy right now. I, I've i been sitting on this footage for almost a year. Actually, yeah. no, for um, yeah, a year. It'll be a year at the end of the month mm -hmm. where I did all this stuff about how to hack your travel. Right, and, right. You know, I think I told you about it. Uh -huh. And it's just like, dude, I can't sit there and map it all out. I'm just, I don't have a brain like that. I'm just move on to the next one. So I'm going to release it all for free. Great. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the things that I cover in there are things like IV therapy and cryotherapy sure. and all this kind of stuff that you guys offer. So it's like, 
I always recommend when people travel, even if you're not a biohack in your day-to-day life, when you travel, man, you have no idea how smoked you're getting. Um, especially as you get older, it starts to really affect you. So uh, it's a good pit stop. Right. But anyway, um, right. back to your your story. So when you and you're kind of this, uh, you know, star child of you know getting out of school early <laughs> and starting to you know practice medicine and hack people open at a young age and all this. When you started moving more into the functional medicine space and the anti aging and all this stuff, did you get pushback from your friends and colleagues in the medical industry? I don't know if it was more pushback as just confusion. You know, like, what's that and what are you doing? And right. I mean, you know, when I started getting into this uh, world, um, it was, it's still, a, it still is a really small group, but it was like microscopic group of physicians, you know? Right. And um, of course, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm here to uh, prescribe a pill. That's my job, you know, um, in our medical, in our medical profession, unfortunately. And talk about nutrition and talk about detox, all that's like, see the nutritionist, you know, go to, go to the alternative healthcare practitioner. And so it's kind of just like confusion about why are you doing this? And, you know, I, I find myself like you, like you, you, life is so much better when you have a mission in life. Right. And it, I'm lucky enough that, um, in my previous career, which is, you know, still, I still do surgery, um, I did well enough that I had some bandwidth both in time to be, and also financially to be able to do something different, right? And so um, this is something I've always wanted to do and I feel like it's my mission and it's uh, something that allows me to contribute back to society and allows me to hopefully make a difference in some people's lives. And if we keep growing and going all over the world like we hopefully will one day, we'll be able to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. So um, I find that very uh, motivating to me to, to be able to do that. So that's, that's kind of why I'm on this mission. And that's why, that's why we're doing all the things we do. And, um, you know, I love being on the forefront of what's out there. You know, there's so much coming out. We're making more discoveries every year now than we did in a decade, um, 20, 30 years ago. Really? Uh, the, the rate of growth of medical knowledge and is going exponentially higher. And now that we're finally able to apply data and artificial intelligence to the entire discovery process and health and put those things together, I mean, we're going to see an explosion in the next five to 10 years of scientific discovery. The old way of learning anything in medicine was to do a study, right? And we all know that studies are pretty much only considered useful if they're double-blind, randomized, placebo-controlled studies. That's when people really look at a study. And then you have to take many studies, put them together, and, and see if if all those studies correlate. This is an extremely time-intensive process. And a lot of times it never gets done. So you never really um, learn what's important unless you create one of these studies. They're extremely expensive. They take a long time. And I think what we're going to see now is that type of medical discovery is going to go become a lot less valid or a lot less used and utilizing like artificial intelligence and quantum computing and data collection and, and actual entire population data, putting that together is going to give us much more useful information much quicker. And um, it's really exciting to be in the forefront of all of that and be able to see that happen. And then our goal with NextHealth is to be the platform where people can go and say, okay, I heard about this new anti-aging therapy. Do you offer it? And us being one of the first ones to be out there to, to be able to offer these things after it's been scientifically validated. Yeah, it, it is exciting in that way um, because it's so time-consuming and so expensive 
to run these studies that the issue there too is that um, a lot of the modalities and you know supplements and things like that that come out don't have the funding to do the test. No, exactly. You know, it's like somebody just has some discovery. You know, some scientist or molecular biologist or whatever comes up with, "Oh my God, I discovered this compound or this molecule that does this or that," and they're just someone, you know, in a lab right. coming up with formulae. Like they don't have the ability to go through that whole process. You know, yeah. um, what what I think is interesting about testing. Uh, there's there's a company that I uh, found recently that makes um, EMF mitigation tools. They're called Blue Shield. Sure. They're from New Zealand, so they don't understand that Blue Shield is a huge insurance company here. <laughs> it's very confusing to people. <clears throat> it's blue without the E, B-L-U, and we'll put it in the show notes. But um, they make some of these really interesting devices that um, use scalar technology. So essentially, they create a resonant field in your living environment or on your person or in your car, depending on which device you have. And what happens is your body uh, attenuates to that field, sort of rendering it invisible to these harmful EMF fields. It's nice. really, really trippy stuff. So it's more on a, um, a quantum level than it is a physical level. So you could put this device next to your Wi-Fi router with wow. an EMF meter, and you're still going to see all those fields, but it won't make you as sick as it would if you didn't have this other resonant field. It's, it's cool does, stuff. Does the Wi-Fi router still work or does yeah, the cell yeah, yeah. phone still no, work? It does, yeah, it doesn't affect the technology That's at all. That's interesting. But what's interesting is when you tell that to a science-minded person, they're like, <clears throat> bullshit, you know? Because <laughs> I've told a yeah. couple of people that are very uh, left brain and they're mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I'd have to see the studies. Da, da, da. I said, oh, really? Well, what's interesting about these guys in New Zealand is that they know how powerful placebo is, A. B, they don't have the money to fund a million-dollar-plus study, quote-unquote study, with double-blind, blah, blah, blah. So what they've done is they go to uh, animal farms, chicken farms, and cow farms out in New Zealand, and they find farms that are next to cell towers, huh. You know, where the, where the animals yeah. have a really high degree of radiation. They test the radiation in the atmosphere, and they're like, perfect. And then they'll put these devices in the barn, in the chicken coop, and they'll do blood testing. They'll look at the uh, nutrient profile of the milk of the mm. cows, of the eggs of the chicken, uh, before and after the use of these devices. And so then you have no placebo. Yeah. And you can do live blood cell analysis on a cow, you know, an hour with this thing on, an hour with it off, the cell towers right outside. And you can see empirical evidence as to the positive effects on biology. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. For relatively free. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So I, I, I think there's going to be more studies like that that are anecdotal, but find ways around placebo. Because yeah. I know sometimes for me, it's like, I'll, um, I'll take a supplement in the morning and later on that day, I'll be like, God, that supplement's great. I feel amazing. Wow, that really works. And then I come home and I see it on my counter. I'm like, oh shit, I actually forgot to take it. You know? <laughs> but awesome. my mind told me that I took yeah. the thing yeah. and so I feel better. I mean, placebo is powerful. It you really know, The is. power of your mind to manifest different states and things like that. So I think that that's valid, but I'm, I'm hopeful, as you said, about the future where the... the um, the types of testing that we use to validate things can change and evolve just like technology evolves. Exactly. And there's, there's so much repression of great ideas just because, oh, it's not, you know, I can't afford the study or it's not proven. Right, right. And, you know, um, we already have a ton of data. People get testing done all the time, right? And so all that testing data is there in some disparate like EMR system somewhere. It's medical record system somewhere. Imagine if we were able to like harvest 
that data with people's permission, of course, moving forward and just letting the computer look at it and see what patterns they find and what they, I mean, you can do automatic discovery of, of, um, of different, like say you have addresses of people that live near cells towers, right? And you get the medical records of all these people living near cells, cell tower and you correlate the two and you actually find data that shows you that these are the effects, right? And you can, all that data is out there and the technology is out there. We just have to get to a point where, you know, there's certain countries where all data, all medical data is automatically shared and they, they discover so many things about their population. We have to get to a point in our country where, you know, that sharing is done, but of course, protecting your privacy and also being able to uh, participate willingly in that data sharing, right? And so I think, I think as the technology keeps advancing, we as a society need to come together and, and, agree amongst each other that we're going to help participate with our own data because our data is so valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's cool. It's an exciting time. So right. I want to, uh, I, mean, I love doing the show because I'm just, I'm on always on the cutting edge. Yeah. The minute I find out about something, I find an expert like you and we get to dive into it. So for the people listening, I'd like to um, get into some of the things that I've tried that I find to be beneficial uh, that you you practice and offer and uh, just go into some of the basic benefits of the different modalities. So the first one that comes to mind is the red light therapy. Uh And so I'm not sure if, I think my Juve episode will have already come out. So those of you listening, yeah, it will have. So those of you listening that want to know more about photobiomodulation and red light therapy, uh, there's an episode I did about that recently, but I have this Juve red light machine, right? In my office, I just stood in front of it this morning, buck naked and drank my morning elixir. (laughs) I love that freaking thing. But you guys at Next Health, you have this giant bed. It's like a tanning bed where you're completely surrounded by this really intense red light. So what are some of the basics of why someone might integrate red light therapy? Right. So I mean, I think the the two main um, ways it's thought to work is number one by nitric oxide release. And nitric oxide is a compound that's found around our blood vessels that increases the diameter of those blood vessels to cause more blood flow to your tissues. And the more you oxygenate the tissues, the more blood flow you have, the more you know toxins are removed and the, and the better your cells do. So that's one way. The second way is thought to work is by mitochondrial activation. So, you know, our mitochondria as we age, they become less and less able to produce energy um, efficiently. And so the red light stimulates them to make to make energy more efficiently as well. So between those two modalities and people theorize about other modalities as well, um, I think it's extremely beneficial. There's there's some anti-aging effects that they're thinking about with the mTOR pathway and, and um, other pathways that, that are involved in aging that might be related. Um, we use it as part of what we call our longevity circuit, which is the near-infrared light then we do the heat, the heat with the far infrared, and then we do the cryotherapy. And those three technologies together, um, we feel, and you know, we we've, we're looking at this helping people really turn back the clock on their aging and help with their mitochondrial activation. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I I love that um, that circuit. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. a great circuit. Yeah, right? I yeah. mean, it, it, since I was a little kid, I've been going to hot springs and then getting out in the cold or jumping right. in the snow or jumping in a river or something, you know, and it. I just always made me feel invigorated and alive. And then, you know, now later in life, I'm like, oh, and there's devices that do that now. So you don't have to live in the middle of the mountains to experience some of that contrast and those, um, the benefits of just exposing yourself to uh, what's in our natural environment. Right. So, uh, and like, you know, for us, like we live in the city, right? So it's, it's hard to find that in your natural environment. It's just not yeah. out there. 
And then, you know, life being what it is, is it, you're busy. And so, you know, it, to be able to cut it half an hour, an hour off of that entire circuit and just be able to do it more efficiently with these technologies. So like, for example, the cryo machine, um, you get the same benefit as like a cold plunge for like 20 or 30 minutes in three minutes of being in the cryo chamber. And it's a dry cold versus a really wet cold, you know? And so um, it's you can save a lot of time by utilizing some of this more high-tech devices. But like you said, we've known about this stuff for years. People have been going into heat saunas and doing a cold plunge immediately afterward for probably a century or so, right? I mean, it's yeah. been around for a long time. We know, yeah. we know that, um, you know, almost every culture, country has been using these types of things, cold plunges, heat for a long time. And now... Finally, there's a lot of research coming out showing how heat followed by cold can actually help in, in anti-aging. And so it's it's really interesting to see the science finally catching up with what has been going on anyway in cultures for a long time that people just anecdotally just did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny, um, I, you know, you know that I talk about spring water a lot, which is drinking good, high quality spring water yeah. and also soaking in healing waters. And people hear like, oh, healing waters, that's, it sounds kind of woo-woo, Oh, so what's the magic water? <laughs> but you have to understand, uh, throughout all recorded history, human beings have settled in areas where there are hot springs and where there are cold springs. Right. That's why the most common name for a town in the United States of America is what? Springfield. Yeah. A field full of springs. And if you start researching the number of cities and towns and streets that are something springs, I mean, the whole... I mean, this could be said for the world, but let's just say in the US, the whole country is basically settled around springs because nature provides this amazing nectar that we just think of, oh yeah, it's just some water. Not all water is created equal. So yeah, I I love going to, um, you know, some of the hot springs resorts and reading the history of them. And Mm. um, in many cases in this country, the native peoples here that were here before us Europeans came over uh, would settle around these healing hot springs areas. And that's where many tribes would settle and there would be conflicts over those prized pieces of land where the earth spewed forth this hot healing water. So it's really it. interesting stuff. Um, I want to talk about cryotherapy because I find a lot of people strangely still don't really understand what it is, the different types. To me, as when I first found out about it, day one, I was doing it from, on a regular basis. So I'm like, oh, cryo, of course, doesn't everyone do that? But for the people that might not be familiar, what are the different types? Because, and what is and what are the benefits? Because uh, I think the first times I did it, Actually, no, at the first time I did, it was in a little enclosed room. But then there's other places that I've been in where I travel and it's in a little chamber and your head sticks out, which I don't like right. as much as what you you guys have the coldest one. It's like, you feel like you're like in Antarctica. I always say, because I, I always request maximum cold when I, and I want to find out what that is, constant fan. And it's like you're in a snowstorm it's just blowing on you and it's super hardcore. Yeah. So what yep. are the different types of cryo machines yeah. and what does it do? So cryotherapy, um, the first types of cryotherapy machines that came out, they use gas, right? And so they used the, the nitrogen gas and that made the tube cold. And they would pump the gas kind of on the bottom of the machine and that would kind of freeze the entire chamber and your head would have to be out of it because the gas can cause you to suffocate. And so 
um, you have to keep your head out of it so you don't breathe that gas in. Um, the problem with that is, is that a lot of your temperature receptors are located in your head. And so you're really not getting the real benefit of lowering your body temperature. So what people then started to do was to make full body chambers where you actually go inside the chamber. And, but it's the same kind of thing. The, the coldness is kind of pumped in through the bottom. So your feet get really cold. Your upper body gets kind of cold, then your head gets not as cold. And so it's not like an even cooling of your entire body. And then what we have, which is a non-gas electrical chamber. And so this chamber, it cools the entire chamber evenly. So you get even cooling and you don't have the risks of gas involved, um, which is a little bit safer, um, I think. Um, the other the other thing about the the cryotherapy chamber is that it provides a dry heat, a dry, a dry cooling, which is a lot um, more effective than like a wet cooling and like a cold plunge. So um, the the drier the cooling, the the more comfortable it is, and we think it's more effective as well. Um, so those are three different types, and so we have the 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 of course the newest and the most um, technologically advanced type that goes to a negative 140 to 160 degrees um, in temperature, and that's what we found to be the most comfortable temperature to drop you to as cold as we can get you, and then if you want. Um, and if you tolerate more time in the cold, that's even better than dropping the temperature further. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So most people go to two and a half to three and a half minutes, somewhere in there. Yeah. After three and a half, we want to get you out of the chamber, um, uh, just because we want to, you know, of course, prevent frostbite and those kind yeah, of issues. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, but you get really good benefits after two to three minutes in the chamber um, at negative one forty to one sixty. Yeah, I think it's definitely easier than doing ice bath. Now, yeah. <laughs> I um, I like doing ice baths myself personally. Um, I, I like the water. Like if I had a choice between jumping in an ice bath and doing cryo, if I have the time, sure. you know, because you get all wet, like you take a shower, it's like a whole thing. Cryo, you jump in there, jump out. Right. It's like super fast. But I like the hardcore feeling of the ice bath. It's hardcore. Because it just, it goes to your bones. You know, it's mm -hmm. so, so cold. Um, whereas, you know, the cryo is more um, a surface cold. But one thing that's true of both methods of freezing your ass off, for me at least, is it puts me in the happiest damn mood that day. Yeah. I know if I go do my kundalini yoga, then I go across the street to Next Health and I do my cryo, I'm automatically just in the best mood all day long. The combination of those two things is a total win. So yep. why does freezing yourself make you happy? Um, one neurotransmitter, uh, norepinephrine. So you have this huge surge of norepinephrine, which is a great mood elevator. You also have an endorphin rush as well. So between those two, it creates this kind of happy you know, great sensation in your mind that lasts probably about 24 hours or so, I think. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and then what about um what about other benefits of cryo um aside from just putting you in a really ecstatic mood, weight loss, like inflammation, what can yeah. one expect from sub why would, you know, I want to motivate people to give this a shot, especially if you're one of those people that's like I hate cold. Absolutely. Why so, is it worth doing? So, one of the biggest things it helps you with is inflammation. So, inflammation um as we all know, like when you hit yourself or say you sprain your knee, right? Putting some cold on it makes it feel better. So it's the same kind of process. Your body has inflammation going on throughout it all the time. And inflammation is one of the main reasons you experience pain in your body throughout the day. The, the more you use your joints, the more inflamed they get over the course of the day. And the cryotherapy or just 
any kind of cold therapy, but especially cryo, is a great way to reduce inflammation instantly. So we have people with like rheumatoid arthritis coming in sometimes twice a day to do cryotherapy because it's just makes them pain-free and they just love it that they're finally found something that's pain-free, that gets them pain-free without having to take crazy immune-suppressive drugs or, you know, tons of uh, pain medication, the narcotic pain medication. They can finally do something that um, that reduces their pain and their inflammation without any side effects. So inflammation is another key reason that, um, that, it can, that uh, cryo can help you. Also, um, there's a lot of research going on as far as what's as far as different proteins that your body creates when you're in that cold state and so they're finding that when you're when you're exposed to these extremes of temperatures heat and cold um, your body goes into a kind of a shock state and that shock state is actually very beneficial for clearing out a lot of toxins and a lot of um, senescent cells and those types of things that your body accumulates over time and that could have some anti-aging effects so Lots of research still needs to be done, but my my kind of thought process is it feels great. I love doing it. Like it doesn't hurt me, you know. I I'm going to keep doing it, and if there isn't a core, there's a anti aging effect that occurs on the side. That's even better. But um, it definitely makes you sleep better. I think. I think you know. I sleep oh, amazingly yeah, that's well. True. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, the, after cryo, like I get a good night's sleep, like yeah. every time. It's it's great. Yeah. Uh, I think of it, you know, with hot and cold therapies and even the red light therapy yeah. and some of these things that are harnessing and amplifying um, elements that are present in nature. Yeah. Like we said, um, unless you are uh, of a, a peoples that has lived around the equator and evolved just around the equator where you have a relatively steady uh, temperature, if you're a migratory hunter-gatherer, ancestral human you were exposed to extreme heat and cold throughout your life based on the seasons and based on where you traveled to. So to me, it's like if you can't handle extreme cold for a short period of time, you're degenerating mm-hmm. and you're becoming domesticated. Like right. somebody sent me, people know I like, I'm such a huge, you know, ice bath and cryo proponent. Someone sent me a video of Instagram yesterday and it's this super ripped, you know, just cut, <laughs> swole dude, just, you know, a guy you'd be afraid to walk by on the street, just a beast of a guy. And they show him uh, come up to an ice bath and he puts his toe in. This is his toe. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. he's like screaming like a five-year-old girl. And then they, you know, they try and push him in. They finally shove him in. He gets in for a second. And he's just having a panic attack. He jumps out and runs across the yard, you know, and I'm going, that's the case of someone who has a really, you know, and I'm not judging him. It's just an observation, but someone has a really weak nervous system, yeah. you know, a nervous system uh. that can't handle anything but 68 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's not natural. We're not no. meant to live like that. Yeah, so. we, we sit in the cryo chamber all the time. Like you have those big burly guys that play football or something, you know, that go in there. <laughs> they're out of there in like a minute. They're like, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, you know, right. what's, cool, what's cool about it too on the, on the cold piece is that, you know, for people that are sensitive to cold and acknowledge that their nervous system is weak sauce, uh, it's something <laughs> you can work up to, you know? I mean, that's what I always recommend with ice baths is like, just get in for a second like that guy did and then hop out. And then next time you'll stay in for a little longer. And what's cool about doing a more controlled environment like a cryotherapy chamber 
is you could go in your first time for 30 seconds. Yeah, you know, then work your way up until you're constant fan, three and a half minutes, 160 below. Right, you know? right, exactly. Yeah. And then next thing you know, that becomes easy. Yeah. I think it's important for people to know that they can open the door and get out anytime they want. Right. Because <laughs> otherwise they right. get freaked out, you know? But yeah. um, it's, uh, you're right. You can work your way up. Um, you know, and it's always great to try these things, especially if you go to a place that's doing it safely. There's You're being supervised the entire time. Because, you know, the last thing you want to do is pass out in there, which, Ooh, which yeah. we've never seen happen ourselves, but it happened in Vegas to somebody and she was not supervised. And, you know, that was a disaster. And so you want to go to a place that's safe, that really knows what they're doing, that has the latest technology. It's important for people to do their research and make sure that they're going that they're going to a reputable place. And we do everything under, you know, medically licensed, right? Because I'm a doctor. It's under yeah. my, my license. So we have to hold ourselves up to like the highest level of safety. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could potentially lose your license to practice medicine, could you not, if things went haywire at yeah, I mean, Health or something? You, you know, potentially, yes. And so we have to I mean, you're kind of the guy that's careful. on the line as like right. medical director or whatever, right? exactly. Right? We have very well-written out protocols. We yeah. make sure that, um, you know, for every situation, we have a protocol about what to do, you know, yeah. and we always have medical staff on site too. So there's always someone there that, you know, that, that can help you should the need arise. Yeah. When uh, I first came in to do cryo, I, um, you guys check your blood pressure, yeah. you know, when someone comes in, make sure they're not going to croak in the, um, in the cryo <laughs> chamber, but my blood pressure was too low and your staff wouldn't let me in. And I was like, God, <laughs> let me stress out. Let me get my blood pressure up. Like what's pissing me off right now? And I, I don't know. I did something and a few minutes later, I was like, do it again, do it again. And then I barely made it in, you know? And they, <laughs> That's yeah, it's funny. I don't know why, why I would have low blood pressure. That's too much so meditation, maybe. <laughs> All right. Recently, I came in and did something uh, that I've, you know, been hearing about in the periphery of, of biohacking called NAD therapy. And, uh, you know, I was a little nervous because the couple of people I know that have done it say, oh man, you know, you're, you get these horrible cramps in your stomach and you're, you're hunched over and it's torture for three hours while you're getting this IV. So I, yeah, I kind of put it off for a minute because I don't like feeling nauseous or uncomfortable. And then finally I was doing, uh, taking a road trip and I wanted, I was like, yeah, right now I need that travel boost. And so I came in and did this IV and dude, I got, I don't think I've reported to you since I did, but I got to say, um, I've had Again, you don't know what's placebo and you don't know what's not. You guys put, could have put sugar water in there. And I'm like, <laughs> I feel so much energy. I don't know. But I got to say, dude, I've had so much freaking energy since I did this NAD IV. Now, unfortunately, I got a cold a couple of days later mm. on that trip. So mm -hmm. it was really tough for me to tell you know, how, how much I would be fatigued from a drive to um, Lake Tahoe, which is where yeah. I went, under normal circumstances versus the day after I got this IV. Two days into the trip, I got a really bad cold, mm. but the cold only lasted for like three days and I snapped out of it. So mm -hmm. I know it's not something that's directly related to the immune system, but yep. it wasn't a true trial Yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, come do it again. Yeah, but I, yeah. I got to say like since then, and I do a number of things again, so it's hard to isolate, but I feel freaking amazing. So what's mm. up with, um, what is this NAD? What does it do? How might people integrate that into their practice? Right, right. So- NAD is nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. And basically, it's a precursor that your mitochondria use to make ATP, which is energy. And what happens, like we talked about a little a few minutes ago, is as we age, our mitochondria get less efficient at turning um, NAD into ATP and making energy. And so when you bathe it with this NAD by getting it IV, your mitochondria get revved up and they just make a lot of energy. And that's all over your body and your brain and your 
in your in your muscles and your heart everywhere everywhere you have every cell you have mitochondria and they need that precursor so <clears throat> excuse me um basically getting nad iv gives you gives the mitochondria that precursor that they need and it the mitochondria just get totally revved up and they stay revved up for a while though nad was first discovered um when um they were using it for people with addiction and so people with addiction actually get it twice a week and they they find and there's a lot of research being done but anecdotally and also in the research that it really helps people get away from their drug addictions as well and then people started using it after their addiction just because they love the feeling and they kept on it and they kept that energy and all the mental clarity and the things that you that you experienced and then people without addiction started trying it and that's how that's how it became so popular now there's a lot of clinics doing NAD we we like it a lot we're really um, you know, studying it to see the effects on on people, but I would say ninety percent of the people that we've done it on felt great afterwards. Energy, mental clarity, focus. Um, there's some people that don't have any effects from it, and um, you know, we don't know which people will and which people won't have effects from it. But um, I think it's you know worth a try. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. All right, do you want to eat organic, paleo, raw, gluten-free, fair trade, all that, but you feel like you can't afford it, just don't have the budget for it? You go into those big health food stores that will remain unnamed and you just uh, shrug your shoulders and walk out because it's so damn expensive. Uh, You probably have. I hear this from a lot of people. They'll write into the show and be like, dude, I want to follow the lifestyle that you and your guests are living but I just don't have the scratch to eat like that. And what I'm here to tell you is, yes, you do, because now you're going to know where to shop, where you can save 25 to 50% off. Those are real numbers, real discounts. It's at a place called thrivemarket.com. It's this magical, mystical place where you can get all of the foods and supplements and personal care products and eco-friendly cleaning supplies and all the stuff that create a healthy body and a healthy home. For you and for babies and kids, it is an awesome website. And I get most of my dry goods there. They also have meat and fish now. And I, I'm just about to check that out. I haven't uh, gotten into that part of it yet. It's a relatively new addition, but I've been using them for years just to get all that stuff that I usually spend so much money on, like you know your coconut oil and almond butter and macadamia nuts and beef jerky and sardines and all the kind of like snack foods that I keep in the pantry, especially. I just... I just get hosed if I go to a regular store. So I go to thrivemarket.com and save 25 to 50% off. But here's what's dope for you as the listener. If you use my link, which is thrivemarket.com forward slash Luke, you're going to get the regular savings, but also an extra 25% off your first order and free shipping and a free 30-day trial. It's pretty cool. So go to thrivemarket.com forward slash Luke. You can also go on YouTube and find a video of me doing an unboxing of uh, everything that I buy there and how much money I save on it. It's pretty cool. But I encourage you definitely to get over there, get some healthy stuff at a deep discount. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash loop. Check it out. And now back to the interview. Well, one thing that I definitely noticed was on my road trip, the fall, I think it was the very next day, or if not two days later, 
I was driving up that 395 to Lake Tahoe like freaking Jason Bourne, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I had so much energy and I was so laser focused. It That's was awesome. it was insane. Yeah, I stopped and jumped in some hot springs and mammoth. Another road stop. I went and jumped in this freezing creek. I'm playing with Cookie, running around. I mean, I just had a party. Showed up there, plenty of energy. So there's That's that. Awesome. Uh, the interesting thing about God, I, you know, I, I wish they had this stuff around when I went to rehab. When I went to rehab, they were like, yeah, uh, go over in the corner and pray that you feel better. I was like, really, guys? <laughs> um, you know, I know a lot of rehabs now are integrating sure. NAD therapy. And my theory is that people just want to shoot up something. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'll maybe just, there's I'll, a placebo effect. Because <laughs> you know, someone, someone brought to my attention, not like they were the first person, but they said, yeah, so you're, you know, you're this former drug addict, Luke, and now you're sober. Have you ever considered the idea that you're, you might be addicted to supplements and stuff? Mm. I'm like, duh. Like, Okay, Einstein, obviously, (laughs) you know, um, some people, you know, they say a lot of people gain weight when they get sober and we have a saying in recovery, oh yeah, they they put down the needle and picked up the fork, you know? So oftentimes these um, behaviors do shift, you know, you get into other habitual things that basically give you dopamine. But I wonder what is the, what's the relation to the addiction or alcoholism pathway and how that's related to mitochondrial and you know ATP energy. Do you know why it's helpful to addicts or alcoholics? You know, I've talked to a lot of the addiction doctors about this, and you know, no one can say for sure what it is. But the thought is that the mitochondria in your brain have just been so wiped out for so long that this is supplying them with the precursor that they need. So that's kind of like one of the thought processes around the, from the addiction doctors that I've talked to. But unfortunately, it's one of those things that, you know, like a lot of the things that are in our body that there's not a lot of science around it. We just don't know exactly what it is. But the good thing is that there's, now that we have a, more people doing it, there's opportunity to do more research around it and and really try to nail down the pathway. Because once you figure out that pathway and and we find out, you know, how this pathway is related to addictive behaviors. I mean, there's a there's an opportunity really to make other treatments for addiction, not just NAD, right? Yeah, you can yeah. attack other parts of that same pathway. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. What's trippy about it is, well, there's two things. One is, I felt a little bit uncomfortable. I wouldn't say nauseous, but a little crampy in my stomach, but totally tolerable. I mean, I yeah. just sat there and watched TV while he was going. You guys have a great. You know, I don't get to watch TV on an. I only watch like Netflix on my little thirteen-inch <laughs> laptop. In here, yeah. I don't have a TV. <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm not trying to be intellectual or something. It's just I just really don't watch it enough. But you guys had this huge plasma or whatever they're called. I, yeah. I watched, what was I? Oh yeah, I was finishing up Ozark. Yeah. And I was right. like jonesing to binge and I was like, this is perfect. I got to watch the last three episodes of season two of Ozark. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, so some people do have that discomfort. But I see, I didn't get it though. I, and then I, think, I don't get it either. I, I think we talked uh, yeah. and I've been taking true niagen. Right. Right. Well, did we talk about that? We was did. that you? We did. Yeah. And then you said, yeah, that seems like the people that take the true niagen, which interestingly enough, is a precursor to your body's production of NAD. And then the NAD, which I didn't know until right now I'm piecing together, is the precursor to ATP, which Mm -hmm. your body produces. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess the theory there might be if we're we're, uh, supplementing with something like true niagen, the precursor to NAD, then our body's kind of already acclimated to a, a rapid influx of those molecules, essentially. Right. Exactly. Would that be? That's what I think. I mean, I take uh, true diagen as well, and um, I did not have any discomfort with my NAD treatment. And I've kind of noticed that, that people that take it don't have a lot of dis- 
you know, discomfort. Yeah. But, um, we're, we're actually testing that right now where, you know, we, oh, cool. a lot of our staff are getting pigs for us. Stuff that yeah, we yeah. Do. So we're like, here, take this model of true niagen and let's do an NAD treatment on you in a month and let's see if you have discomfort. So that's cool. Yeah. Gonna, Cause a couple, of, a couple of friends, like I, I hit up uh, Ben Greenfield, who's a mm-hmm. biohacker extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. He's done a lot of NAD IVs. And he did I, it with us. Yeah, oh, he, he did? did? Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I, I, I said, dude, uh, you know, I did, it really didn't really bother me at all. And maybe it's because I'm taking this true niagen. He said, well, what he said, what he had noticed is that after he travels or he experiences a lot of mitochondrial fatigue, right. then it's much more uncomfortable. So if he's, you know, pretty smoked when he walks in, it's going to hurt a lot more essentially mm-hmm. than if he's, you know, in top shape and you know has been getting plenty of rest and stuff and i thought that was interesting yeah so it's almost like if you have the the interior the, need. the yeah it's yeah. interesting with the way that that correlates um mm-hmm. my question is with things like this i don't know that there's an answer but you know if i'm putting exogenous nad into my system from the outside is there any known risks risk to my body then down regulating its own production where it's going like oh we don't need to make NAD anymore because we just got it in our arm. You know, I think hormones really function that way more than anything because you have negative feedback mechanisms with hormones. So like, for example, if you take testosterone, your testicles will stop making as much testosterone as it used to. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with um, with NAD and other um, vitamins, minerals. Those are all things that you know, your body has to get from exogenous sources. And, uh, okay. um, and uh, you know, I think... Out of all the vitamins, the only thing you can really make is like vitamin D because sunlight makes vitamin D and you can make some vitamin K. But otherwise, every other vitamin we, we need to take from an exogenous source, mineral, we have to put that into our bodies. So uh, I, I, I can surmise it's probably the same uh, uh, relationship with NAD. Interesting. Yeah. So you're going to be eating foods and taking in nutrients that provide the raw materials or the precursors for your body's NAD anyway. So in a sense, you're just skipping that process and you're just going, here, we made some in a lab. Let's just plug that in. So it's not going to inhibit your body from then producing it from the raw materials you give it next week or whatever. Yes, exactly. Have you heard anything about, um, uh, I've been doing, what have I been doing? Oh, Powdiarco and caffeine. Yeah, Powdiarco and caffeine, from what I understand based on my research, have this synergistic relationship where they uh, help your body to create a lot of NAD. Really? Yeah. So what I've is been, Pouty Arco? Pouty Arco is an herb from South America hmm. that uh, I believe it's a bark, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on trees. And you can get it in raw form and make tea out of it. Um, it's very uh, potent antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial as well, because it comes from the jungle, the very humid jungle. And so it's a way that trees protect themselves from those things. Interestingly enough, you know, one of those miracles of nature. But yeah, I've done some research on it. So I started getting, I've got a bunch of Pouty Arco extract huh. and I put it in my coffee, you know, yeah. my morning elixir now. So I don't know, but there seems to be some evidence That's toward awesome. that, which is cool. But you should, you should uh, post on the show notes what your morning elixir is. It gets more interesting every time I talk to you. <laughs> you know, it, it, it shifts right yeah. now. I'm doing a Shilajit tar, which is a, a oh. resin from the the, um, the high altitude mountains of the Himalayas. And it's uh, ancient plant matter that's been decomposed and compressed into this wow. tar. It's full of fulvic acid mm-hmm. and humic acid and uh, very rich in minerals. So I put like about a pea-sized, you know, clump of this tar in there. And then bulletproof beans, grass-fed butter, mm. brain octane, C8, MCT oil. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then I'm doing um, very minute, alternating different days, but very minute dose, like one tenth of a gram of psilocybin. Yep. And uh, about a gram of uh, cordyceps mm. and about a gram of lion's mane extract yeah. from real mushrooms. Yeah. And so it's a really potent brain elixir. Nice. I yeah. Love it. And then I'll also do um, some, um, some gelatin. Yeah. Yeah. Some gelatin powder. Um, so yeah, it's pretty amazing. Right. What's dude. the gelatin powder for? Uh, it's uh, like what's in bone broth. Oh, okay. so it's gelatinized it. um, protein Got essentially, it. right? Got so it. it's sort of like the collagen peptides, but it's specifically gelatin, and it yeah. only really works in a hot drink because huh. it'll if you like make my elixir and leave it on the counter, it becomes jello. <laughs> it becomes like a really gross jello, like a <laughs> coffee mushroom jello. It's disgusting. <laughs> I've actually eaten it with a spoon because I just I'm like I don't want to waste my herbs. You <laughs> yeah, know, they're expensive. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and mm. then there's tons of amino acids. Oh, the yeah. amino acids are concentrated in that gelatin so it's and then you have you know really good highly digestible um protein sure. in the drink too sure. so it's good to do some protein nice. so that's what i'm i love I think it. that's what i'm doing currently yeah and then the powdy arco extract and i think that's it and you know what it's funny it tastes actually really good i love it yeah it tastes yeah. really good and it's i mean just yeah, i do about, something similar with coffee you do? mushrooms and yeah and uh, also mct oil I don't have the Patty Arco though. I want to get some of that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's <laughs> cool. Great, it's yeah. cool. I found a company that makes it um, in Hawaii, and they have um, one extract that has glycerin, and then they have one that has alcohol. And I don't want to do too much of either. But the glycerin one's cool. A couple droppers of that because it sweetens it up a bit. Right. Oh, I also put um, reishi mushroom in oh, there okay. too. I just got some more of that. So yeah. I alternate between four sigmatic, which yep. make the really tasty mushroom extracts, yeah. but then I also get more hardcore bulk right. extracts from um, Longevity Power makes right. this really potent um, reishi extract. Nice. It's like it looks like powdered coffee. I mean, it's dark, dark brown, super concentrated, and then real mushrooms for the lion's mane. And um and cordyceps, yeah. but those those don't like they're not user friendly. <laughs> they don't taste good. So if yeah. you're if you're an average person, just stick with four sigmatic because they're yeah. high quality extracts, but they're made to actually taste good. Yeah. That's what I use. I yeah, use and they're sigmatic. not like you know a medicinal dose that's going to taste really right. Nice. Right. All right. right. Anyway, <laughs> um, then uh, one of the things I started doing years ago is was used to be called a Myers cocktail, sure. and then it sort of evolved, and basically they're vitamin and, and, and mineral IVs. What's, what's the history of, you know, injecting nutrients and what's up with that? So, you know, I've been writing for IV therapy in the hospital since I was like 21 when I, when I got to the hospital. I mean, we, we've been giving it in what's called TPN, total peripheral nutrition to hospital patients for forever when their gut wasn't working. Right. And so they weren't able to take in um, their own nutrition, either they're in the ICU and they're uh, on a respirator or something. And so we give people the nutrition IV um, because basically you need it. And the Myers cocktail is given the emergency room all the time for, um, for example, alcoholics that come in that um, are in withdrawal um, and those types of situations, people that have not had nutrition for a very long time. And the reason we give IV nutrients in, in the um, hospital is because you, the person has not gotten enough or they're unable to take in nutrients themselves, right? And so your your body, of course, like we talked about earlier, can't make these nutrients. You have to take them in from exogenous sources. Um, the reason IV therapy now has become very popular in the mainstream is, I think, for a couple of reasons. One is that our food supply now is so devoid of nutrients that you literally, like a head of lettuce now has the same amount of nutrients as like one lettuce leaf maybe a hundred years ago, 
You know, it's it's wow. really it, there's all sorts of studies being um, that you can just Google on the internet about the the nutrient content now of our food versus the nutrient content 100 years of our food, and it's completely different. And the food actually tastes very different because of the lack of nutrients. And um, so, so I think that's one one major reason. And, and the reason for for this is, um, as you know, you could probably surmise, is that we over farm the same land over and over and over again. We, we suck it dry of nutrients and then there's not much left to put in the food. And then you have genetically modified food, which is made to grow gigantic. So you have more you know carbohydrate basically, but you really don't have the nutrient density in the food as well. So you, you, you might go to your favorite salad bar and eat a salad and you're getting a lot less nutrients than you used to, but you're, you're getting full. So you're just not taking in as much nutrients as you should be. And I think that um, you know, people are experiencing um, chronic nutritional deficiencies because they're just not taking in enough nutrients. And they, people don't feel good. People feel sluggish. They feel fatigued. They have brain fog. They're tired um, because of this. And it's controversial, of course, because I'm, you know, I'm sure if there's any doctors listening to this, half of them will say that that's, that's BS, you know, and you could take in all the nutrients you need from food. But in my experience, especially in this age where, you know, where everyone's trying to maintain their weight at a certain level, um, that most people do have some nutritional deficiencies. And we measure micronutrient levels on people and almost everyone has a micronutrient deficiency, you know? What are the most common deficiencies you guys see? Vitamin D is huge. I mean, people just do not get <laughs> It's the goddamn sunscreen D. industry. Like it we're is. talking about yeah. uh, the sugar industry lobbying right. against fat. It's the sunscreen industry, I'm telling you, yeah. from the 1950s on getting people afraid of the sun. Yeah, like, like extremely Criminal. fearful of the sun, you know? And so we don't get enough sun. Uh, we don't take in enough vitamin D. And um, then, we, you know, LA is, has a lot of people that are vegetarian, vegans. Um, so we see a lot of like anemia from iron deficiencies, a lot of B vitamin deficiencies. And um, um, the IV vitamin cocktails, like the Myers cocktails, helps to supplement that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's anecdotal, meaning, but there's tons of, patients that get IV vitamins every single day and they feel great immediately afterwards. And um, say you're getting sick like or, or from returning from a flight or something. Um, and, you know, I always get sick when I travel. I don't know about you, but it's like, it's like pretty much 100% of the time I'm going to yeah. come back sick. If, if, <laughs> if I don't get sick, I come very close to it. Yeah. I'm always teetering on getting sick. Yeah. Right. It's terrible. And I think it's part of the EMFs. It's definitely the, the, um, a lot of things, the air quality, all of that, but the germs in hotel rooms and airplanes. Oh, too. Exactly. And the food. You, ever, you ever seen those videos where they come in with a, with a, uh, uh, what do they call that? Um, that black light, you yes. know, and they show oh like God. your hotel comforter and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. I've seen that. And, and you know, what is the most discuss? I, I, cause I'm, I'm not like germ phobic, but it's just interesting to me when you have like hotel rooms or very interesting to me because you have thousands of people coming through one little space. And, you know, in my bedroom here, it's been only me and a couple other people in three years, you know, uh, not hundreds, if not thousands, but that, uh, the grossest thing in hotel rooms I found are their TV remotes. Oh. I'm like, that's perfect. Cause I, I don't remember when the last time I turned on a TV in my hotel room, it. but don't touch the remote, you know, get wear rubber gloves or something. Yeah. That's yeah. the most disgusting. I'm like, Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. But the hotels um, like never wash those blankets too. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, like people don't realize it doesn't blankets, matter if it's an expensive, like really nice hotel either. There's no. still thousands of people going through that room being right. gross humans. Right. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm on board 100% uh, before and after I take a long yes. flight. 
I always, I mean, I happen to come into next health. I'm not trying to be like a big commercial for next health. It's just the <laughs> truth. Um, and that's just part of my protocol. So I'll even time my flights so that I can come in and get an IV when I get, when I land in LAX. So I try to get back early enough and I literally go straight to there and get my IV and then come home. Or even sometimes I get an IV in the morning, I fly out of LAX that day, if not within one or two days, you know, before and after. And, you know, I mean, you're going to drop a couple hundred bucks or something, you know, on doing a couple of them. But to me, it's like, to feel good where I'm going and may I'm going to visit family or go on vacation. I don't want to feel fatigued. I don't want to take three days to recover from the flight. I want to like wake up the next day and be ready to crush it, whether it's business or pleasure. Exactly. And like, you know, um, I do the same thing. And for me, it's, it's the same process. I try to get an IV as soon as I get back from a trip because it makes my next week much more productive. And it's not like yeah. I'm suffering for a week. And I find that the older I get, the more I suffer if I don't do that. So it's non-negotiable for me now. <laughs> and what's the difference between doing an IV of these nutrients? You know, so it's obviously we can't get it from food because it's not in the soil. If Where's it going to come from? Thin air? Uh, so what's the difference between eating a handful of vitamins and getting an IV in terms of assimilation? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So there's absorption issues, right? And um, it, it depends on how much of a vitamin you can take and actually absorb and what percentage of that actually makes it into your bloodstream. But more than that is that the supplement industry is just like the wild, wild west. And so you really don't know the consistency of your supplement and if it's a good supplement um, that actually has what it says it has in it, unless you like go to like consumerlabs.com, check out all your supplements. You know, most people are so used to just buying their supplements off the shelf at CVS. And a lot of those supplements really don't have um, the recommended daily allowances in them. And, you know, there's, uh, you, did I talk to you about what happened in New York a few years ago? where the attorney general forced like Walmart to take all their supplements off the shelves because they tested like five of them and some of them were just like car <laughs> dust. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I mean, a place like CVS, you can pretty much guarantee the whole vitamin section is just trash. <laughs> but I was in Sprouts yesterday. Uh, there was just like a kind of healthy grocery store here in LA. I just stopped there to get a freaking uh, acai popsicle yeah. or something. I was just like, oh, I want something sweet, uh, which happens. But I went in there and I had to walk through the vitamin aisle and they had some okay stuff. But I was like, God, these poor people, man, people don't know. They come in here. 90% of that stuff was just garbage, you know, because I know exactly. the brands and they're fake. When you look at the, you know, even you look at the ingredient deck, there's all these excipients and additives and yeah. binders and fillers and all of this swag. They're basically in drug terminology, we'd call that stepped on. It's when you like cut something and there's very little of the actual, mm. you know, uh, desired substance left in there. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, if you want something that you know is going to work and is very bio, immediately bioavailable, um, I think IV therapy makes a lot of sense. So that's that's why I think uh, IVs are probably a better option than actually taking the supplements orally. But I still take my daily supplements orally as well. I mean, I have, you know, I verified my supplements, make sure I got some good, good product. And I take them, I take them every day. What's as well. that site you mentioned that you can, uh... oh, consumerlabs.com. Oh. Yeah. There's like a $30 a year membership fee, but it's an awesome site. So it's kind of like an old, one of those old 
internet websites. It's not really fancy looking, but they put a ton of information on there about every supplement they test. They test all the major brands. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And then they give you like a rating for it. But right. then they also like have great like just informational articles about vitamin D or um, you know, omegas, those kind of things. So cool. Yeah. That's yeah, a check good it out. that's a good resource. Yeah. yeah. I, I I'm been a, doing this stuff for a while, so I'm pretty good at vetting what companies and brands right. make the legit stuff. And I, I do really read the ingredients and I look where it's sourced from. And sometimes I'm that a-hole that will email a company and be like, where's this from and where's that from? And <laughs> is it irradiated? Do you check for metals, molds, and all that stuff? They love your emails. I yeah, love it. <laughs> I'm that guy. I remember once I, once I called the goat farm where I get my goat milk to make no. my kefir. And I was like, excuse me, I know this is a little bit intense, but what water do your goats drink? <laughs> is it from a well? If so, has that well been tested for lead? Da, da, da. And they're like, really, dude? Let me get back to you. And they passed <laughs> snuff, you know, but I, I'm that guy. But also because I great. feel a sense of responsibility now that I'm a voice and an advocate yeah. for different brands and, you know, different practices and stuff. I never want to recommend anything that's subpar in any way. Yeah, Because um, no, it's one thing to put things in my own body, but when I'm recommending things to other people, there's... There's an integrity karma thing happening there. You're absolutely right. Um, another thing interesting about the IVs is I would think that, do you lose um, some of the punch of supplements through your digestive system versus just putting it right in your vein? I mean, isn't like the point of swallowing something and digesting it to get it into your bloodstream anyway? So are we not bypassing that whole... 35 feet of guts and just going like right in there. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of that. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I'm concerned about or not concerned about one of the biggest things I think about is our microbiome, right? So our microbiome are the hundred trillion bacteria, viruses, fungi in our gut that probably also utilize some of these vitamins. And if you're not getting enough vitamins and, um, in your diet and minerals in your diet, then your microbiome is suffering as well. Um, so I, I wonder about that. I think about that and I wonder what the effect is of, um, of not getting enough, uh, nutrients in our diet for our microbiome, but still a lot of research that needs to be done as far as that's concerned. As far as your own body and the punch you get from absorbing the vitamins yourself, I don't know if that'd be that much of an issue because what's, when you get the IV into your system, it kind of, it, 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 you know, you verify the quality of it because the stuff comes from verified pharmacies and you know you're getting a, a really good quality high dose of vitamins directly to your cell lines. So I, I, I don't know, but I think I think it's a great question. I don't know if this, there's an answer to it. Yeah, no. yeah, it's interesting. I, I think about things like this because I'm just looking for maximum effect. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you guys do uh, some stuff with PRP, platelet-rich yes. plasma. Yeah. And are you doing anything with stem cells? Or yes, you yes, are. So, what, are. Yeah. tell us a bit about those therapies and how they're used. Sure. Okay. So, platelet-rich plasma is basically what we do: is we take your blood, we spin it down, and once we, after we spin it down, the kind of the top layer of that is just the growth factors that are in your blood. So, um, when we get the, we can separate out those growth factors, and then we can inject them into certain areas of you know, where you need growth factors. So a lot of people inject it into joints, for example, to help regenerate cartilage. Um, people inject it into your face to regenerate uh, regenerate uh, collagen tissue into their hair follicles to help uh, regenerate the hair follicles as well. So growth factors are very useful throughout your body and you can put them where they're kind of needed 
by, uh, by doing PRP. And the next kind of level above that is stem cell therapy. So there's a couple of different ways of doing stem cell therapy. One is to use what we call autologous stem cells. Those are your own stem cells from your own body. And then there's umbilical stem cells, which are stem cells from the umbilical cord blood of, of, a, of a baby, basically. And um, we're, we're doing autologous stem cells where we liposuction your, the fat, basically, because it's the fattest billions of stem cells kind of locked away inside your, inside your, inside your, lipo, your um, fatty tissue. I've it, had that done. And unfortunately, my, I thought it would like reduce my muffin top and it did not. <laughs> they no. were like, they're like, no, we don't lipo <laughs> enough. I was like, ooh, double bonus. Like I can get lipo uh, on the waistline and get stem cells out of it. But no, it yeah. doesn't unfortunately have that effect. No, no. We only take about 200 cc's or so because, you know, if you're going to keep doing stem cells and you want to, you want to preserve some of that fatty tissue too, you don't want to light bulb section all of and then you don't have enough left to do it in the future. But and if you guys do the the uh the the uh, fat derived cells, do you have a way to store them so someone could come back and just get another dose without having to do the extraction again? Yeah, so no, we don't store them in the United States because it's basically not FDA approved to store them in the United States. So uh, I see. unfortunately to store them, some people go to Panama or they go to see other countries that allow you to store them and not just store them, but also expand the cell line. So they take the stem cells that you have and they grow more stem cells from it. But none of that is really allowed here in the United States. Do you think there's uh, validity to culturing your stem cells and making a hundred million of them out of you know, 10 million or whatever, you know, I don't know what the mm-hmm. numbers are, but in other words, like if you get it taken out of your bone marrow and your fat, like I did, there's just, there's a finite number of them. And then you're putting them back into different parts of your body so that they then express themselves in whatever way you hope they do wherever you put them. But would it not be better to, you know, go to a place in Panama where you're getting a zillion freaking stem cells because they, they have the ability outside of the FDA to multiply them? Like, in other words, is more better or do we know that? So, the reason the FDA doesn't allow it is because there's still a ton of research that needs to be done to make sure it's safe. Because just like any other cell in your body, as it duplicates and recreates itself over and over and over again, there's a chance for that duplication to go wrong at some point, right? And when that happens inside your body, it's called cancer. When it happens outside your body, we don't know the effects of it yet. Right? X-Men. That's X-Men level. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. And so I think I think there needs to be still some um, validation of that done. People are doing it. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are concerned that once you take a stem cell and you keep multiplying it after a certain number of multiplications, when is, when should you kind of stop and say that's, that's the end, end point of where it's safe to multiply the stem cell? So, you know, still, there still needs to be some work done around that. And the umbilical cells that mm-hmm. you guys are using, whose kids do they, you know, whose babies do they come from? Is it from like aborted fetuses no. or? No, no, not from Can a woman fetuses. have a baby and be like, yo, I'll sell you some of these cells or like, where do they? Who? Right. So, you know, when I had my son, we were offered the option of taking the umbilical cord blood and storing it in case we needed the stem cells for the future. Ooh. Yeah. So everyone Did you is, do that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So then you have to do it. When I, your I mean, kid's 90 and they have a busted hip or whatever, they could put those old, really nice, strong cells Essentially, I mean, obviously by then there'll be other interventions and things, but... Well, I mean, the the thought is eventually they'll be able to take those stem cells and then actually um, be able to induce them into a certain cell line so you can grow like 
heart muscle tissue or even even maybe even brain tissue at some wow. point. You know, the technology is going in that direction. So, you know, that's that's cool. If 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 you know your kids born now is going to live another 100 years or more, 100 years down the line, that technology is absolutely going to be there. So it's good to have that right. stuff kind of stored up. You know? That's cool. Yeah. So to answer your question, the stem cells that come from umbilical cord is that donated blood specimen from the cut umbilical cord of the child after the baby's born. So oh, okay. there's no fetal abortions or anything like that. <laughs> no fetal <laughs> tissue. It's the, it's the same blood that's being stored that you store for your own kids. It's, some of that is donated. Um, I, I think the company that we use um, gets it from uh, San Diego, from a hospital in San Diego, and it's all donated blood, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And the nice thing about umbilical cells is that these are young cells, right? So they're, they're, they're not my like 40 something year old cells, you know, that I've taken out of my body that are kind of older stem cells. These are brand new stem cells that were just produced by a human being. And so there's the thought around that is that these new stem cells um, that are produced by by a new human being basically are probably more effective than older stem cells being injected. Right. Yeah. yeah totally makes sense. Well, mm-hmm. I can vouch for, I mean, I had the stem cell treatment and uh, it did help in certain areas, like I had it done primarily for my hip and my back, mm-hmm. but I don't really have like a true result because then I think I injured my hip after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I don't know. I don't know what I did, but oh, it, no. it got worse. And I know it wasn't from getting a stem cell shot. Like there's no way that structurally that could have messed me up. So mm-hmm. I have a true read, but it did help my shoulder. Um, and I <laughs> had it injected in various other places in my body, but the PRP I did about 10 years ago when I just heard about oh. it and I had kind of tennis elbow and wrist problems, probably from computer overuse yeah. and stuff. And it just wiped that out. I think I had it done twice. Um, you know, Is that awesome? Yeah. No. Like um, uh, that guided injections yeah. where they, you know, they can little... Use an ultrasound machine. Yeah. They find the joint capsule. Yes. They put it right in there, right? Exactly. Right. So I could, I was laying there and I'd look at the monitor next to me and you could see what the doctor's seeing. She's literally not even looking at my body. She's just poking the needle in me while she looks at the monitor yeah. from the ultrasound, making sure it gets where it's supposed to go. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I sent all my friends to a good buddy of mine, Tim Davis here in town, who does those injections. And you know, the, these are people that have failed surgery many times and then they get PRP, they get stem cell injections and they just do so much better. And so it's just incredible to see a therapy like this come around that kind of wipes out a surgery almost completely or at least delays yeah. it for many, many years. Um, you know, surgery is very invasive. It, it, there's a lot of recovery involved and, you know, some people need surgery. There's no amount of PRP or stem cell that's going to help them without getting a joint replacement. But I would say, you know, at least 50%, maybe more uh, percent of surgical interventions have been at least put off or um, eliminated by stem cells and by PRP. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big fan. I'm Pretty into amazing. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then in terms of testing, you know, something yeah. I think that's really cool, as we were talking about earlier with the people having that um, sense of license over their own health, right. uh, testing is such a huge thing now where we can you know, kind of begin to understand how our body works and go get actual tests and see what's working and what's not working rather than, you know, the old school method of going to see a general practitioner because we have symptoms and then getting sent out to a bunch of specialists and playing that cat and mouse thing. So now with functional medicine and testing like you guys do, you go test all of your biomarkers and get a a very realistic, you know, a real-time uh, a view of what's going on biologically. So 
Yeah. What are some of the biomarker uh, testings that you think are important? You know, um, telomeres is one I was curious yeah, about, for example. Absolutely. So, so first of all, regarding testing, I think you're, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with what you said. I mean, it just blows my mind that people don't have access to testing. And now finally, like you can send in like a blood spot or a saliva swab and get some, some, a few lab results back. But you really, I mean, for whatever reason, the law is that you have to go to a doctor and the doctor has to order the test before you can get a test. It is ridiculous. And I know there are companies um, that have kind of bypassed this, but it's still not ubiquitous where you can really take control of your own biology. And I feel like it's, there's almost like this weird paternalistic kind of attitude in the medical profession that, oh, you you don't, you can't handle the information, so yeah. we're not going to give it to you. <laughs> totally. You know, it's ridiculous. Totally. <laughs> and so we, we have the opposite philosophy. We really want you to have control over your, your biology, know what your biology is showing you and explain to you what, what is showing you and educate you so you know what you can follow along over time because who's going to be more vested in following your blood work than you are right i mean you're 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 going to want to know what every number means you're going to watch it over time and you might even keep like i keep a spreadsheet of all my blood work i'm i don't know if you do something well, similar but you know i keep all of my uh tests in a uh, folder in dropbox yeah. according to year and what i find about testing and i want to you know again i want to yeah. get into some of the specific tests that yeah. are you know new and cutting edge like telomeres and whatnot but what's been really helpful for me is to motivate me to make certain changes in my lifestyle yes. and gamify my health. So I remember last year in, in 2017, I had a, a whole heavy metals panel and I was like, oh, God damn it. I'm super high in lead and mercury and all these things that really are harmful. And then that made me want to aggressively detox. And so I researched all these different protocols, which were pretty intensive and I did them. And then I recently tested. I'm like, ah, mother effers. I got the, you know, <laughs> I was like, yes, a sense of victory that yeah. I, you know, I was able to get those, those biomarker numbers way down through a number of different interventions. Right. You know, I mean, my mercury is negligible now and it was quite high before. Exactly. So I'm like, aha. And now it's still higher. You know, all the numbers are still higher than I want them to be. Or maybe one came up like um, one weird one for me came up. Arsenic went way down and mm -hmm. I think it was cadmium went way up. And I'm like, what is it in my environment and my food that's high mm. in cadmium? How am I accumulating more of that after having detox? Yeah. So it gives you, gives you clues, you it know? It gives and you then, clues, right. Then you can Google like foods highest in cadmium or right. cadmium exposure or whatever it is and go, oh, God damn it. It's coming out of the filter in my air conditioner or yeah. some weird thing like that, yeah, you know? exactly. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to be able to do that. And I, I find it really helps with compliance, you know, lifestyle compliance when I see those. Same with tracking sleep. Before I tracked sleep, I was like, ah, sleep, shmeep, yeah. whatever. And then I started tracking it and I could see, oh my God, my days are so much better when I score, you know, an 80 or 90% on my aura ring. And then it makes me want to beat that score if it's yeah. gamified. And so I've challenged myself into making those things a priority. Whereas when all of the stats are unknown, it becomes very obscured and kind of ambiguous. You don't really know. You think you feel okay and not really sure. When you see those lab results, it's amazing. So it let's totally start. Is. Let's Absolutely. start with. Um, I get excited about this yeah. stuff. Let's start with telomeres because that's something I have not tested. I don't really know a lot about. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So, so telomeres are the end caps of your DNA, and so basically, you know, you have your strand of DNA, and at the at each end, you have what's called a telomere, and the telomere is what 
keeps that DNA strand basically together in the, in the shape of a, of a DNA strand. And what Elizabeth Blackburn won a Nobel Prize for was, for was discovering telomerase, which is an enzyme that repairs the telomeres. Because once every cell division, your telomeres get shorter and shorter. And if you don't have good telomerase, then they get shorter and shorter and shorter. And then they, that cell dies. Okay, That cell can no longer replicate. And um, what we can do now is measure the average length of the telomeres by utilizing a blood sample in, in your body. And um, that telomere length tells you, based on population studies, kind of what your genetic age is or what your cellular age is. So you can get your telomere length measured you know, with a simple blood test, and you'll get a graph back that shows you're 48 years old, but your genetic age is 38. And that's because of good lifestyle um, habits and, and, and things that you've done, such as getting enough sleep, eating nutritious food, um, staying away from toxins, all of those things keep your telomeres longer. And you know, there's a lot of different reasons that um, we get a huge conversation about aging, but there's a lot of reasons that we age. But one of the reasons that we age at a cellular level is shortening of our telomer, telomeres. And um, Knowing that number is so important because you should check it maybe once a year, you know? And I check mine once a year and I love kind of seeing, it's like an average of all my different lifestyle choices over the last year, how my telomere length is doing is the way I look at it. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. I'm strangely haven't gotten that one. Now I'm like, I need to do that this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, That's it's cool. A, it's a great test. Telomere. 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 Yeah. Okay. So now I know how to pronounce it too. Yeah. And then- what about getting tested for food sensitivities and how does a sensitivity differ from a full-scale allergy? Right. So there's two different pathways utilizing different immune globulins in your bloodstream that give you either an allergy or a sensitivity. So <clears throat> an allergy is when like you eat a food and you get like hives. Like I have a shellfish allergy. It's not a sensitivity. It's different. Um, allergy is something that you definitely want to totally avoid that food. You know, otherwise you can have a throat swelling and, and you can end up in the emergency room. Food sensitivities happen when your gut lining, for whatever reason, is leaky. And then there are almost little uh, proteins or pieces of that food going through your gut lining into your bloodstream. And then you're mounting this slower IgG immune reaction to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what food sensitivities are, are basically telling you these certain foods your body is having an immune reaction to it, which is causing inflammation throughout your body. And as we all know, inflammation is kind of the root cause of all disease. And if you keep your inflammatory, um, if you keep your infl inflammation low in your body, you'll live longer, you'll have less chronic disease. If you're chronically inflamed all the time, you have a higher chance of Alzheimer's, diabetes, heart disease, pretty much every chronic disease that can kill you, all right? And so minimizing your food sensitivities or minimizing the foods that you are sensitive to will help you reduce that inflammation in your body and help heal your gut over time. So maybe in the future, you can reintroduce those foods. Some of the most common food sensitivities that many people have are like we talked about grains and glutens. Um, and gluten is one part of the grain, but there's other part of the grains you can be allergic to like gliadin and other other food sensitivities. And dairy is another big category. But there's also like, you'd be surprised, like some people are sensitive to like cucumbers or some people are sensitive to 
um, you know, a raspberry. Like these are things that people don't necessarily know they're sensitive oh, to. Weird. Yeah. And so you, we test for 96 different food sensitivities and wow. it's incredible how much better people feel once they eliminate the foods that they're sensitive to. All of a sudden, you know, they're, they're less depressed. Their brain fog goes away. They are able to uh, sleep better. They're able to run faster. It, it really makes a huge difference in reducing inflammation throughout your body. Another one uh, uh, aspect to that too is like I was saying is the uh, the compliance. You know, I know for me, if you tell me as a doctor, like, oh, hey, yeah, Luke, maybe dairy is probably not so good for you, and grains, gluten, etc. I'm like, yeah, but pizza's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you show me a, a piece of paper, a medical, you know, yeah. uh, medically derived test results that are verifiable, and they say, wow, Luke, yeah, it's not me saying this. It's not a moral thing. It's not a lifestyle thing. You're vegan, you're paleo, whatever. It's beyond all that. It's like, no, your blood is telling us that it's reacting to these proteins, et cetera, and it would best serve you to avoid them. I find it much easier to comply with that because there's no sense of authority. It's just reality, right? It's empirical evidence. Exactly. And so the compliance is much easier. Exactly. And you know, like before there's food sensitivity testing was out, people would do all these elimination diets. You know, like there's a FODMAP diet and... Major elimination diets, we eliminate everything, and I find that this just kind of cuts to the chase of where you're not trying to discover what foods you're sensitive to, and then like reintroduce them in a week and see if you get sick. It really kind of cuts out that entire learning curve of the of the um, diets that eliminate big groups of foods. Yeah, yeah. and it's a lot yeah. easier. Elimination diets are hard, They're especially so hard. If, if you really enjoy food. You, know? <laughs> exactly. so you got to start with nothing. You know, it's like right. cool. I'm going to have water, and then build up to the next day. I have a bowl of rice or whatever. Yeah. You know. Oh. Uh, and then what about um, testing for uh, genetic things, you know, genetic testing yeah. to find out your your kind of genetic profile? Yeah. So there's all kinds of genetic testing out there now. Um, you know, you have like the 23andMe that tells you like, you know, what your hair color should be and like, you know, what who your ancestors are and those kind of things. Although 23andMe is adding a lot more testing to their uh, profile. But the kind of testing that we do, we're actually testing uh, many different SNPs and those SNPs tell us about your health and wellness trends. So we're testing for things such as what kind of diet is the best diet for you genetically? Should it be like a Mediterranean diet? Should it be a low-fat diet? We're testing what kind of exercises your body respond more to. Is it more cardio, more muscle-building exercises? What are your um, reactions to things like caffeine? What, um, what are your tendencies as far as like food psychology goes and food inhibition, are you able to, um, are you going to gain weight back more, uh, more rapidly? So it gives us a lot more health and wellness information um, in the genetic testing that we do. And we also do another genetic test for cancer risk. And so we can test for, I think it's 30 different uh, genetic SNPs that tell us if you're a high risk for cancer. Um, and what, and <laughs> I don't think I would do that one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard one to get mentally over. And I got, I got myself to do it just because I was like, I gotta know. I, well, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know what? I wouldn't do that one because, yeah. well, A, I already know that I live a totally anti-cancer lifestyle. There's mm-hmm. nothing more I think I could possibly yeah. do to prevent it. So if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. But to me, it would like set in motion some belief system sure. that's like, oh, I'm predisposed. And I think that just for me personally, just because I'm very metaphysically um, um, oriented, uh, that then I think I could get cancer from thinking that I'm going to get cancer. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah I, I, <laughs> you know I know exactly what, what you mean. I mean. So I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to know. I'm just going to keep on the path and just uh, d- and do my thing. But that's, yeah. that's interesting to know, though. I mean, I think for someone who 
is still eating McDonald's and drinking Diet Coke right. and, you know, living a lifestyle that's very uh, prone to giving you cancer, that that would be, again, another great compliance motivator where you're like, oh, damn, I have like a, you know, I'm at high risk of getting cancer. I, I really need to upgrade my lifestyle. Right. And that is like, even like for screening, right? Like, so if you have a BRCA gene and you're a woman, for example, and you have a positive uh, a BRCA test, then you're going to get mammograms sooner in life. And you're going to be really diligent to do your breast self exams. Um, right. You know, for, same thing with the prostate cancer gene in, in men, like you're going to be getting that PSA level and uh, making sure you see your doctor to get examined or maybe get ultrasounds of your prostate, those kind of things. I, I think, I think, um, there's there's an element of if you are at high risk, then you can do more aggressive screening sooner in your life too. Got you know? that. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I will do that. <laughs> Actually, you just reminded me years ago, my functional medicine doctor at the time, Dr. Rochelle out in Brentwood, I'm with Parsley Health now and I really yeah, like them, but, uh, but, she, but she was great. And yeah. uh, she had ordered a, a prescription for, cause I was, ha- you know, like, I would have sudden urges to pee, you know, sorry, TMI audience, but <laughs> it's like, I'm like, what the hell? I was 35, whatever I was. I'm like, when I have to pee, it's like, got to happen now, or I'm literally going to ruin your couch. And so she was like, oh, we need to get an ultrasound on your prostate. And I, and I had that prescription on my desk for like two years until it expired. <laughs> I never did it. So that might inspire me to get back there. Um, God, there's, I have so many more questions, dude, but um <laughs> We're we're running a little short on time here. Let me see where I want to where I want to go with this. Um, give me a quick rundown on hormone testing sure. and some of the interventions if they're off. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, as we age, unfortunately, one of the genetic switches that kind of get turned off is our production of our sex hormones. And what happens is, you know, women go through menopause, men go through andropause as as we get into our forties, and testosterone for men and for women is one of the most important hormones in our body. If, if you, once your testosterone level starts going down, you start experiencing um, muscle loss, bone loss, you start experiencing a higher rate of cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease, all of that. So for whatever reason, you know, nature kind of says that um, nature's done with us at the age of 40 and we can kind of, you know, be killed off, unfortunately, you know, and um, it starts reducing testosterone levels as one of those kind of aging responses. And what we test for is testosterone, testosterone and estrogen um, and progesterone um, to see kind of where our sex hormones are all at. And some of the interventions that you could do, there's a lot of natural ways to increase your testosterone level, like high-intensity training um, uh, helps increase your testosterone. Um, lifting heavy weights helps increase your testosterone. A lot of supplements you can take to help increase your testosterone. But if all that doesn't work and get you to a level where you're, number one, asymptomatic and also get to a, a number that's, that we're more comfortable with, then we can do testosterone replacement. And testosterone replacement has been done for years and years very safely. Kind of gets a bad rap because you know, a lot of bodybuilders would use it. And, oh, yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. you know, they, they cause themselves a lot of problems. Yeah. And then also gets a bad rap because a lot of people talk about prostate cancer and just taking testosterone. It's important to realize that testosterone is actually protective against prostate cancer. So if you're taking exogenous testosterone, you have a lower chance of getting prostate cancer. It's the people that do get it, despite that, the testosterone can kind of, you know, there's receptors on the cancer and the testosterone can cause it to grow a little bit faster. Um, and we check your PSA levels and we check to make sure your prostate is, is not cancerous before we give you testosterone and keep following that as well. But anyway, so the way we can replace testosterone is either with injections, creams, or with what we call a pellet therapy. And my favorite is a pellet 
because it's a small pellet that's put underneath your skin of your butt. Really, uh, we do it in a tiny procedure, like last five minutes, 10 minutes. We numb it up. We put the pellet in with a tiny incision, doesn't even be closed. And um, we put the pellet in and it gives you a steady state of testosterone over the course of three to four months. You don't have to keep injecting yourself over and over again. That's handy. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we have a lot of patients doing it. They love it. It's been, it's, you know, for the people that are low in testosterone, it's a game changer. It's a, it's a life changer. And it's, you know, protective against Alzheimer's, heart disease, cancer. Why not? You know, it's a way of kind of, um, you know, hacking nature. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like the idea of the pellet. Uh, thankfully my testosterone is always relatively high, but right. if it ever dips for any reason, yeah. uh, I'm going to be putting one of those pellets in my butt. Yeah. And you know, what's so funny is that people just don't know what's causing that the people get used to living a fatigued, brain fogged, pain, painful, you know, joint pain existence, and they don't know what's causing it and they can't lose weight and they're getting bigger and bigger and more and more lethargic and they just don't know. And then like we we do this, the next cell baseline, we call it, which is a total panel of, of many biomarkers. And we show them like, look, your testosterone is low, your inflammation levels are high, you're low in vitamin D. And you correct those two or three things, you know, like that knowledge is so much power because you can change your life instantaneously just by knowing. And a lot of doctors don't test for this stuff. Like you go to your doctor, they'll do a quick exam. Maybe they'll test like one or two like tests to make sure you're not dying, but they're not testing testosterone. They're not testing inflammatory markers. And I think it's important to know not just like that you're getting tested, but what you're getting tested for, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, my friend, we're... um we're just about out of time. I have two super quick questions sure. and then we're going to do my final question. I'm, I, I activated ways. So ah. I'm like, I see when my appointment at Bulletproof Labs Perfect. is. I'm like, <laughs> right now I'm going to get there at 1258 and I'm supposed to be there at one. So we got to make this quick. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there any risk? Because you guys do a lot of beauty stuff and I haven't really gotten into that because I don't know. I feel I look okay. It's not been something urgent, but I, I have noticed I have a lot of tension in my forehead mm-hmm. and I interviewed or a, a, a doctor that um, is a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, um, an aesthetic medicine doctor, yes. an aesthetic doctor. Yep. She interviewed me and mm-hmm. she was like, Hey, if you want to come in and do Botox. And I was like, Oh, that sounds scary. Mm-hmm. Is there any, cause she said, yeah, it'll relieve headaches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not it just does. for looks, but if you have tension in your forehead, which I very much do, she's like, Oh, it totally makes that go away. It's amazing. You'll love it. And I was like, is it safe? She's like, yeah, of course, but that's like her business. Yeah. Do you, is there any risk in, in Botox that you're aware of? The only risk, with Botox, if you have someone that does it, doesn't know what they're doing, you know, because okay. then you can get an eye droop and then, you know, it can, it can cause, what does Botox do to relax the muscles of you, wherever you inject it? So if you over relax muscles, it can make your face look weird. It can cause your eye to droop, all of that. So you just got to okay. go to someone that knows what they're doing. But it's not toxic per no, se or something like that. No. Okay. The, you know, there's been hundreds of thousands of people all over the world that have gotten it. Right. And there's been, you know, not that I've heard of any anyone that's had any toxic Botox effect unless people are getting their Botox from outside of the country and it's not made to the correct standards. It's, you have to be really careful. Whoever's injecting you Botox is injecting you know, the, the approved American Botox that they bought from inside ah, the country. Okay, got it. So maybe don't go to Tijuana and do it. Exactly, <laughs> <Okay>. exactly. <laughs> don't try to skimp on your Botox. Okay. Right. 
And then uh, the last thing I wanted to ask you, is anything uh, that you guys are doing or that you've heard of effective for hair loss? I know you guys use PRP, you mentioned for that. Are, are you seeing any positive results with any interventions for oh yes. for I mean, uh, guys losing their hair or, or women for that matter? So we we do quite a few things for hair loss. Um, first of all, we have to correct micronutrient deficiencies, right? So a lot of micronutrient deficiencies can cause you to lose hair. Um, we also talk about stress reduction. We test your thyroid, which is another cause of hair loss. So I think testing and making sure that um, your biochemistry is good. Hair loss is a symptom of many different biochemical problems, right? And so first we test, make sure all that is good. PRPs works great. There's a lot of good research out there showing it works great for hair loss. Um, but there are certain people that they don't want to go through like six to eight PRP sessions. Then we also do hair transplant procedures, which have like been tremendously scientifically improved over the last even five years where we do what's called follicular unit extraction, where we take one hair out from the back of your head at a time and put it into the front. And it looks super natural. Oh, interesting. Yeah, all under so local it doesn't, anesthesia. it doesn't look like a, a doll? Plugs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it does not look like a doll. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So we do all that stuff. Right. Yeah. All right. That's that's good to know. Yeah, yeah part, of, were... part of staying young is also looking as young as you feel, right. you know? And so we do that stuff to kind of... Um, I do my best to not get caught up in vanity, yeah, but my yeah. hair is thinning a little bit. And, you know, God bless any of you guys that have lost your hair, not to be disparaging against you. Of course, I'm sure you're already bummed about it, or maybe you don't give a shit, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't really care about wrinkles or I got a little gut, like whatever, but I'm like, man, my hair, like yeah. my one, it's my one little vanity thing. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care if it gets thin, but I don't think I would look that awesome bald. So I'm always, I'm always curious about the latest and greatest in that area. Okay, so you've taught me a lot today, uh, Dr. Shaw. Who have Thank been you. three teachers or teachings that our audience might go check out that have influenced you or your, your life or your work? Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I just got back from uh, Deepak Chopra um, uh, a retreat in Sedona. And man, that, that man is so full of incredible knowledge. And just from a more... Um, physics point of view as well. And so I'm learning a lot from him, not just about meditation and about yoga, but also about just um, quantum theory and how you should really think about your life and how you relate to the rest of the universe. So very interesting person, um, very interesting teacher. And um, I feel that he's he's one of my kind of mentors. My other mentor is um, Peter Diamandis. Peter, um, as many of you know, um, he's the founder of XPRIZE, Human Longevity Institute he's involved with, all of these things. And Peter and I do a lot of things together and um, on XPRIZE. But his abundance mentality and the way of thinking about the future and the world is so inspirational that it just keeps me extremely positive and just just gives me just a gratitude for life, you know? So I would say him. And then, you know, I would say also... Who's my third one? I gotta say, I gotta say my my father, who's always just there to push me and to make sure that I'm always doing the best I can, not just at work and but also just in life and just also with um, with uh, my family and all of that. So maybe those are my three top ones. I would say. Great man, yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, you two of them. Well, I don't know. Maybe I could, your dad's an Ayurvedic doctor. Yeah, I could get him on the to show. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a, I've done one and a half shows kind of on Ayurveda, but yeah. they were with younger generation. You know, your dad's an OG, but your other two are definitely like on my 
top hit list. So yeah. maybe we'll get them on someday. Um, so in terms of social media and websites, where can people find you and what you do so we can follow you and learn more about you? Yeah. So I'm um, just go to next-health.com. That's, um, you know, that's where you find our, that's where you find next health. Um, we are, um, also launching a podcast here pretty soon. So look for, uh, for the next health podcast in January. And then my Instagram handle is at health hacker MD and uh, next health is at next health. So that's cool. Where you find me. Awesome. Dude. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, thank you. I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to see you too. I'm going to come in and do that, that, uh, telomere testing. That's my next goal. I'm going to do, do that one. Yeah. So maybe you'll let me shoot some PRP into your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, go for it. I've had stem cells in there. Oh yeah. yeah they did. Oh, you know, they did PRP too out at Doceri clinics oh. in, uh, in, um, in, um, uh, Utah. Yeah, uh-huh. they did my face and my scalp and my nether regions. But I'm always down to do more because, like Love I it. said, I want to hang on to that head of hair as long as I can. Oh. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Thank dude. You. I look forward this to seeing you awesome. again. Yeah, let's do it again. All right, we did it. We got through yet another episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining me. And uh, just straight up, if you're in Los Angeles, if you live here or you're visiting and you want to explore some of the stuff, you want to go try cryo or the red light bed or get a vitamin IV or something, Next Health is a great spot to do it. And um, yeah, you might even run into me there because I'm literally there all the time. Uh, I go to the West Hollywood one on Sunset and Crescent Heights because it's right across from Nine Treasures Yoga where I do my Kundalini Jam. Uh, or I go to the Century City one, which is the bigger kind of really beautiful space in the new Century City Mall. So go check it out and you might even run into Dr. Shaw or myself while you're there. Okay, so as I mentioned earlier in the intro, and I'm just going to give a reminder here, if you're interested in exploring uh, the sponsors on the show or just finding all of my top recommendations to improve your life, you can find them easily at lukestory.com forward slash store. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store, and there you will find all of the things that I use in my personal life, all of my top recommendations, Uh, And they're just linked out there. So you don't have to go do all the research yourself and read all the Amazon reviews of every single product and call the owners and email them and like be the psycho that I am when I'm vetting companies and products that I use to improve my health and that I recommend to other people. I've kind of done the work for you there. And you're also going to get uh, discount codes in many cases. It's a real party over at lukestory.com forward slash store. And I've also categorized everything. So if you know you want to work on sleep or travel or jet lag or EMFs, or you want to check out some spiritual books or books by our guests, uh, we've got everything pretty neatly categorized over there. Now you can um, just search through the whole uh, sort of library there, or you can go by category. So it's kind of up to you. So get over there and geek out at lukestory.com forward slash store. You know what you're going to find over there? You're going to find these three amazing sponsors along with some discounts. You're going to find Thrive Market, where you'll go to thrivemarket.com forward slash Luke. And just by using that URL, thrivemarket.com forward slash Luke, you'll automatically save 25% off your first order, get free shipping plus a free 30-day trial offer. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash Luke. This is where I shop for all of my health food that's dry goods. Although they also have meat and stuff over there now too. But basically, if it's not something I get it, a farmer's market, like, you know, the, the kind of food, I don't know what you call it. What do you call food that expires? Vegetables, meats, that kind of stuff. Um, but they do have great grass-fed meats and seafood and all that stuff at Thrive Market. I haven't tried that out yet, but this is where I get all of the stuff that goes in my cabinets, snack foods, stuff that I use to make smoothies, all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. 
can also go on YouTube and check out a video I did. If you just search Luke Story Thrive Market, I did an unboxing where I show you the exact groceries that I buy. So if you're like, hey, what does Luke eat? I let you in my kitchen and I show you exactly what I eat. Okay, then we've got Skillshare. Skillshare is awesome. I'm really into learning online and Skillshare has really cool classes. The ones that I find useful are like, learn how to use Trello, learn how to use Evernote, like how to use apps and things like that. I'm 48, dude. Like, it's hard for me to learn crap like that. And I often, you know, work alone here in the studio and I don't have some millennial around to show me how to do this crap. So Skillshare is awesome uh, to learn just about anything you could want to learn on your own time at home. It's really cool. Anywhere you have an internet connection, you have like an unlimited resource for learning. That's at Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist. Now, if you get over there via that URL, you're going to get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's Skillshare.com forward slash Lifestylist. Get over there and get your learn on. And then finally, I think maybe one of our very first sponsors, and they're still rolling with us, and that's my buddies over at Four Sigmatic. So if you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story, that's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story, and enter the code Luke Story at checkout, you're going to save 15% off their insane products. Some of my new favorites, you know, you got the classics, you got your Rishi mushrooms, your chaga mushrooms, your lion's mane, your cordyceps. Cool. That's that's the old school Four Sigmatic deck, right? Well, a couple other things that I really like uh, is their matcha and also their golden latte. Uh, ooh, there's another one. They also have like a chai tea blend now too. So they have herbs and mushrooms. They're super chronic. So if you're like, yeah, I've already tried all the mushroom ones. I'm burnt on them. They have some new stuff that's really cool as well. And they do weird stuff too. Like they, they, a couple months ago, they sent me like some lemonade or something. You know, I don't know if all these things exist all the time, but uh, the ones that I just mentioned definitely do because I'm still grubbing those down on a daily basis. So go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke Story at checkout, enter the code Luke Story and save 15%. And uh, as I said, you can find all of that stuff and more at lukestory.com forward slash store. All right, that's it. I'm going to check you back this Friday where I'm going to post a bootleg broadcast of a talk I did at Next Health. And then next Tuesday, we'll have Jim Quick talking about memory and focus. So some really good stuff coming up. I'd love for you to do me and uh, our guests and our sponsors a favor and share this episode with a friend. Just grab your device. I think it's in the bottom right on the Apple Podcast app. There's three or four little lines. Click on that. It says share. You have a few options of ways that you can share the show. So you can, uh, <laughs> you can do PR for the show. Help yourself, help your friends and family by turning them on to cutting edge information that's going to help them uh, on the uh, physical or metaphysical level, depending on the topic of the show. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm living my dream here, getting to talk to the most fascinating people in the world and ask them the questions that are burning in my heart and then share the answers with you. I'll see you next week. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.